Jasper, did you forget Brandon. to bring Purvis this week? Did I thought you? I thought you brought him. Where's Purvis? <laughs> As <sighs> if we didn't say in the last episode that he was going to be in London, and is now six hours in the future right now. He went to meet Travis Scott at the London. I don't think. I think he went to. I don't know. See the worst of humanity. Oh, that's, yeah. that's Europe. Everything bad about the world has come came from Europe, like except for the bacteria that like crawls up your dick and into your eyes when you go to like Vietnam or something. Mm, I still have. Mm, I don't I've, know. I've, I've I have some people in the field, like valid, <laughs> wondering what are the origins of the dick parasites. There you because go. they pronounce their O's funny, and I think. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, dick parasite sounds like a Sex Pistols equivalent. Oh my god, like a Sex Pistols cover band. That would, ex- yeah. These yeah, are the things we can discuss when well, Purvis isn't here. Yeah, when Purvis is here, we can talk about Sex Pistols. We can talk about <laughs> uh, synthesizers. We're going to talk a lot this week about synthesizers, probably. It's like, well, yeah, because it's like Abraham Lincoln said, "My name is Giovanni Giorgio." But everybody calls me Giorgio. Abe Lincoln, the 16th president of the United States, said that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, to me, every quote is an Abe Lincoln quote. I, I, I do it that. for everything. I think my favorite thing is like, uh, it's like Abe, it's like the old meme where it's like, it says Abe Lincoln, and it was like, don't believe everything you read on the internet. Yep. And it's like, yeah. honest Abe, he knew what was going on. Uh, so we actually had to do the news this week uh so i'm valuing purvis very much because it turns out he does more than just keep this from being a uh, a hip-hop podcast with two white guys white-ish guys there you go yeah just gotta gotta take credit for for what he's put forward here yeah no all right are we uh this week we're doing the mixtape challenge, as we're calling it. It's like a new, it's a new thing. It's an experiment. We decided to take this as an opportunity to be a little bit loosey goosey with the format, and I think we came up with something really fucking dope. We're gonna be talking about uh, arcade culture, I guess you would call it. Yes. And uh, video games and social gaming and music and how it all relates. So that's gonna be fun. But uh, first, oh, yeah. I think. We got to run through the releases because there's not a whole lot, but I think it's a pretty high quality bunch. Let's do it. Okay, so f- first up, it's the season. It's belly season. Mumble Rap 2 drops tonight. That's exciting. I haven't yeah. li- been listening to Belly re- regularly recently, but that's something that I need to go and do. Dude, yeah. he's Look, he's not an everyday kind of rapper for me. Yeah. Like, I feel the I, same way. I love his is uh three run rockefeller mixtapes uh paradise in zombia and then the first mumble rap mm. and god they're just so good i've the teaser tracks of this one of them was like fine mm-hmm. and then the other one was stellar so i'm like i'm buckled in for this this is gonna be good we're gonna be reviewing it next week so yeah that'll be that'll be fun that'll be a fun Get your ears out. Get your ears out. Get your ears out, belly. We're going to be talking to you. There you go. Next one up. Are you familiar with Summer Walker? Uh, I'm sure I would know it if I heard it, but I'm familiar with the, the artist. Yeah, yeah. she's like, like an R&B artist. She's really, really talented. 
She doesn't put out a whole lot. She's putting out Clear to the Soft Life EP coming out this week. She's featured on some stuff I like. Uh, yeah. I'm like having a hard time conjuring right now. Let me. She look has it a up really real stellar feature on Mr. Morale last year. Ah, that's probably what it is. Yeah, that she, and there's something else. Yeah, she also she featured on SZA's album. She's everywhere. She's fantastic. Yeah, featuring appears on. Yeah, no, it's it's got to be that. It's got to be SZA and and Morale because yeah. not a whole lot else. Let's see. Oh, well, there it is. It's just not as much. Oh, hey, the Birds of Prey soundtrack. Oh, she's on the remix of Mood Swings with from, with Pop Smoke. That's probably, yeah, that's probably my like. One. Yeah. And also Don FM. So good to see. Yeah. No, she's fantastic. She yeah. And she doesn't release super duper often. So this is going to be an interesting thing to see. I don't know if it's like original music outtakes what have you it seems like it's part of a series yeah so this is something that i'm going to be looking forward to Mm -hmm. and then okay so have you followed this collab that's in the making uh kate uh kate tradata don't know if i'm saying that correctly and amine we've talked about it and we've been sending you know on our yeah on our kind of like group chat we've been sending things about this back and forth I have not been actively following this though. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not super familiar with K Trinata, but I'm I'm relatively familiar with Amine. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel the same way. Not as much musically, but more so culturally. Amine comes up on my feet a lot. Yeah, like I, I'm aware of who Amine is. Yeah. I haven't listened to him a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this, you know, I'm wondering if we're seeing something of a duo streak going on. You yeah, know, between definitely. This, uh, scaring the hoes. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, is this the year of duos? And Daft Punk is gone. There is a void that needs to be filled. Void. There's so many duos that could fill it. And yeah, yeah I don't know. I'm I'm definitely thinking I'm going to be jumping into this one, uh, just to kind of get a vibe for it, just to kind of see like what it's going to be, how it uh, plays out, like what the sound is like, and like do mm-hmm. these. Once again, because I'm not a huge, I'm almost certain I've heard songs produced by K. Uh, uh, K. Trinata. I'm almost certain I have, but like mm-hmm. I just don't know what they are. So, yeah, I, I'm not like I said, I'm not familiar. So this will be something interesting just to see like what they what they can come up with. Also, K. Tremine, when I read it, the uh, dyslexia kicks in. It looks like the word ketamine. It so that's totally fun. Does yeah. It totally does look like the word ketamine because it has an I, an M, and a K in it. Yeah. And those are uh, the key factors in looking like the word ketamine. And, yeah, and just the E at the end, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it definitely looks like it. I don't think I, I – I wonder if I spelled it correctly, but I think I did. The first time Purvis – I think it was Purvis who sent something to the group chat at one point with this. I was like – I, like, glanced at it at like, work with my brightness pretty low, and I was like – Excuse me? I'm like, are we doing horse <laughs> drugs? Like, Are you not? Are, listen, when the iver, ivermectin thing was going on, it's like, wait, oh. you're going to do a horse drug that doesn't get you high? Not just a drug, a horse paste. Apple flavored, at least. Why? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Past the horse paste is not something I would expect to hear at the square dance. Yeah, no. 
And it doesn't even make you like lay down and hallucinate. Like no, then what's what, the point? That's the point. That's the whole point of taking horse medicine. Like, if the point of drugs is culture war, like that's real petty. Like vision quest over culture war. Yeah, one hundred percent vision quest over culture war. I don't know what that means, but I want it on a t-shirt. Like, <laughs> hey, I can make that for you. That'll be like those real abstract ones that Cuddy was wearing back in like the early twenty tens. Oh, yeah. He had one that just said like highly endangered. Yeah. <laughs> I like just shirts that have just just things on them. Like maybe one that says like 326 feet away. It's like, what is away from what, sir? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wild. Now, let me ask you something. How mm-hmm. do you feel about family? Well, I don't have any friends, so it's all I got. I have family. So yeah. this is this is a joyous day. This is the week Ugh. of a new fantastic, uh, not fantastic, Fast and Furious movie. I can't believe these things. I can't believe we got to ten of them. And like I like some of them, and some of them I do not. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. Like um, I like I'm... four, five, six, seven. So I'm very familiar with one through three. I've watched yeah. them multiple times. Four through, time. yeah, four through seven. I've probably only seen them once, like when they came out, yeah. and I didn't care for them as much. But there's a lot of more interesting stunts going on, like later on. Sure, I think they're just not. But man, in, they're just not in car culture even a little bit. They're Mission Impossible movies. Well, what's funny is like, they they kind of started a whole car culture and then abandoned it, sort yeah, of, totally. it, which is insane yeah, to me. But what, like, like Tokyo Drift is like. The pinnacle actual, of that. Yeah, no, sure. it's like a legitimate car culture touch point, right? Like Except first, for fucking Lil Bow Wow, yeah. but you know, we don't we don't talk about that. I still think it's hilarious that this entire franchise was kicked off by a movie that I feel like is basically Fuck. What's that surfing movie with Keanu Reeves? Point break? It's just point break with cars. It is. It's literally the exact same plot. What's interesting about it is that well, sort of, but also it's it's interesting, like to me, that movie feels has a very strange feel. And here's a hot take: there's only there's one thing that this movie does that only one other film does, and that other movie is Full Metal Jacket. So I'm about to say there's something about Fast and Furious One that it shares shares a trait with Full Metal Jacket, and that All is right, the on. first. There you go. Drink up. <laughs> The first and the second halves of the film feel completely different. Yeah. Like, it feels like it was directed by a different person. Yeah. Like, once you get past the... I guess it's like the raid, where they raid um, the villain's, you know, st- warehouse, Which and they confiscate the all the DVDs. The first one. Oh, yeah. They confiscate all the DVD players. I didn't know if you were talking about... Oh, okay, the DVD players. I didn't know because yeah. there's a similar scene, not a similar scene, but like there's a raid in uh, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I mean, I, don't know. I wouldn't call I, it a raid. I haven't seen Full but, Metal Jacket since film school. Yeah, it's been a while, but no. um, it's a dense one. It, so yeah, it, it definitely. Movie. There's definitely. It feels like a light switch gets flipped, where it's like kind of fun, like goofy car movie with stupid effects and like. The floor panel falling out of a 
whatever the whatever the hell Paul Walker's driving in that first drag race when he uses too much boost, which like doesn't happen, to like okay now it's like serious and their lives on the line and it's just like it's a very like it's a like there's a big tone shift I feel like and it's kind of interesting just from like that perspective because the second half like by itself is like very cool but also like much more generic of a film I think and then like there's a lot of unique stuff in the first half that kind of like cements it in the culture like car culture i don't know yeah it's just it's interesting it is interesting but we got we got to the 10th one and the soundtrack drops this week and it has like a pretty pretty impressive list it's got all the rappers i don't really listen to it's got little dirk it has kodak black it has nba young boy never broke again hasn't rick hasn't kodak black done sorry hasn't kodak black done one of these movies before too i don't know I feel like he has. It could have been. I think they've been chasing like a big song tie-in ever since the seventh movie with that Wiz Khalifa one, the one that makes everyone sad. See you again. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There was also that one. Was it for eight with uh, Sage of the Gemini or something? I know they did it. It's just, dude, eight. Eight. I walked out of. Yeah. I could. I haven't seen it. The second I saw. Dominic Toretto has a secret son. I was like, yeah, I'm good on this one, dog. I'm fine. There was even more so than the film itself. There was a a tweet that I saw this week that went viral that I really, really enjoyed, which was like, when did you lose faith in the in the Fast and Furious series? And everyone's like posting like gifs of when it was like. They had they couldn't suspend disbelief any further. It's so funny. It is. There's one where it's like when my boy Dom caught that entire fucking car. <laughs> or at the end of seven, where that's the thing about a street fight. The street wins. And he like caves in a garage. Like yeah. a market garage. And it's like this is a normal human man. Like, or like yeah, it's like they made him a superhero. Or like when he catches Letty like oh, midair yeah. off like the flying car. Right. Or it like when they go to space, you know, whatever. Inevitably go to space. Dude, I can't wait for Past and the Furious. You know it's gonna happen. Oh my like... god, don't say that. <laughs> They're all gonna be like in walkers, Paul Dude, Walkers. Ludacris Ludacris <laughs> is gonna like invent a car that's a time machine and like no, furious. it's gonna be it's gonna be the 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 they're gonna have a show up with a Delorean back to the Furious. Yeah, I always thought it'd be cool if they did like a play on Smokey and the Bandit. I thought that would have been fun. Can you imagine if they did the like Duke Boys reboot crossover? Yeah. Duke, oh my god! <laughs> Just hope they put a different flag on the car. <laughs> Fucking Ben Stiller. Oh my god, Ben Stiller. Wait, is it Ben? St- no, it's not. It's Owen Wilson and who? Who's... No, you're thinking of Starsky and Hutch, which was Ben. Stiller. I am thinking of Starsky and Hutch. I yeah. lied. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, you're thinking Fuck. of Starsky and Hutch. Wait, so other... no, it's Johnny Knoxville. It's Johnny Knoxville and, and... Uh, Sean Michael Scott. Yes, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. And that's when them old Duke balls know I they was in a heap movie. of trouble. <laughs> I love early two thousands comedies that have like no stakes. One of my favorite movies of all time is Duder's My Car. Yeah, if, if yeah, you can't cl- tell classic. about the everything about me, I like that movie a lot. <laughs> uh, and then. And then. And then. And then. And then, and then, God. Things that would not pass a, a, a script review meeting today. No, it would not. Actually, Jesus like, <laughs> me and Rachel watched uh, Deuter's My Car, like, recently, like, a month or two ago. And we were like, this isn't that problematic. Like, this is, oh, this holds up yeah. a lot b- compared to some stuff from the time. 
Like, oh, for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. You know. Uh, yeah, man. It's not like the Boondock Saints. <laughs> like. Yeah. God. No, that's. I haven't. I've only ever seen that once. I saw that in high school, and I, I should rewatch it. It's only cool if you watch it before you watch Pulp Fiction. Sure. Like once, if once you watch it after you see Pulp Fiction, it's like this is a very cheaply done ripoff. Yeah, I liked the part with where they go upside down through the you know with the rope. Yeah. And then also when he jumps off the building with the toilet seat lid, they're like with the toilet lid. Yeah. But you know, suspend disbelief again. It's it's part of watching a movie. They're not real, so yeah, you gotta well, do what you gotta do. Comes with the territory. Yeah. All right, so we got some a couple singles and videos dropping. So the first one, are you familiar with No Worries? Not really. I mean, I'm sure I've I've, I've heard songs yeah. off from No Worries, but like I'm not familiar with like their body of work as a whole. Yeah, I mean, neither am I. This is actually something new to me. Apparently, uh, Anderson Pack is in a, another group, uh, mm-hmm. and it's Anderson Pack and Knowledge. Uh, they dropped mm-hmm. a new song, "Daydreaming." I listened to it; it was fantastic. This mm-hmm. was easily one of my favorite singles that was released this year so far. Yeah, that's so, that's good to see. Yeah, but it's Anderson Pack. It's almost cheating, you know. I feel like when it yeah. comes to like raw musical, like talent, he, he's tippity top tier. Hot take. Anderson Pack is Pharrell, the Pharrell of people who play instruments. Yeah. And like, he just doesn't miss. He shows up and is consistently like of the same high quality every time he gets behind a mic or in a studio. He absolutely could have been a contender that we talked about last week for the Kanye debate. And I feel like he was super overlooked at the halftime show too. Oh, Anderson. Yeah. No one, because wasn't he just playing music? I don't think he was rapping. Yeah, he was. He wasn't rapping at all, but just like the fact that he was there and he was providing the instrumentation or like, put together the track that played and everything else. It's like, that's super impressive. And everybody was obsessed with like the Dr. Dre Snoop comeback, obviously, yeah. but yeah, he should, there's some recognition that should be, you know, served his way. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. I am a fan of Anderson Peck. He is a very smart guy and it does seem like, uh, it does. I completely forget what I was about to say. Uh, but yeah, no, it's really good track. I'm a fan of Anderson Pack, fan of everything he does. I'm I'm happy to hear it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And are you a fan of Sofago? Because I know you're you're kind of a fan of the whole Cactus Jack label, right? Or is that Purvis? I get you too confused. So I like Cactus Jack as a label, but I'm not nearly as versed in their other artists. Like I like Don Tolliver pretty well. I like um who is it? I like uh, what's her name? Who got cut off of? Um... Rosalia. Yeah. Wait, wait. No, it's um. It's the girl who got cut off of franchise and they replaced her with the the future feature. Mia, M I A. Yeah, M I A. I think M I A is like kind of decent. She's, she's Cactus not, Jack's. Though, no, she's not isn't Cactus she? Jack. She's an in- oh. She's an independent British artist. But... I did not know that. Yeah. No, oh, no. I think I. I feel bad talking about MIA because she is, you know, currently doing a milder version of what Kanye did a couple of months ago. Uh, oh, I did not know that either. Oh, yeah. Very strong anti-vax kind of person. Very strong, like, someone, quotation marks, is responsible for this. But I'm a fan of hers. I think she's really, really talented. And I actually think she sounded great 
on Travis Scott. I uh, thought so too. I, I like thought, her. I like her I, verse a lot. I thought she was the combination of the two of them was really really good. I would totally, I would love a full length of uh, a full length collab from those two. Uh, That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah, but he's dropping one. It's called Gay. So of course it is. We know what this one's about. <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I need to. I need to get more more versed in the rest of the Cactus Jack like lineup. I like yeah. I like Sheck West too, but you know Sheck West just feels very you know kind of like one trick pony. Exactly, and it's like it's great that Travis has somebody who can shout bitch on all of his songs. Yeah, but you need to have that niche filled. Yeah, you need someone that just goes crazy with ad libs. You've seen um, Look Mom, I Can Fly, right? Yeah. The, uh, the like, Travis documentary was, yeah. like, The Making of Astroworld. Yeah. I love how he, like, introduces Sheck West. They show, like, all the concert footage of him, like, doing... Um, he's, like, going crazy doing stuff off of Mud Boy, and it's... um, uh, What's the fucking hit single called? I'm, like, completely drawing blanks tonight. What's his, like, hit? Who, Sheck West? Mo Bamba? Yeah. Yeah, Mobamba. He's like performing Mobamba live, yeah. but then it cuts to him doing it in the studio, and it's just him in the mic. It's like, it's hilarious. All right, it's, <laughs> it's really good. Oh, but yeah. So those are like the two big singles. It does, it seemed to be a relatively quiet week. We're gearing up for a lot of big releases coming out. You know, uh, I'm really hyped for Michael that comes out in a few weeks. Uh, hey, I was actually about to send you a link. Um, I got early access to the like limited edition vinyl for Michael. Ooh. But by the by the time I opened the link, it was one of like a hundred units and it had already sold through. Oh wow. But it was like crazy, like smoky, clear, like multicolor vinyl. I it it looks cool, but I have a I have a religious opposition to buying vinyls before I hear them. I feel that. I totally I need, feel that. I need to like the, the the music, and I'm aware that puts me at a disadvantage. But I also don't care too much about collecting vinyl. Yeah, uh, true. Maybe one day when I can afford to be an audiophile. Yeah. Now let's talk about probably the biggest release from last week. There was the, uh, the Daft Punk, ten year Ram. Oh my God. Infinity Infinity repeating. This is the Julian Casablancas one, right? Yes, it is. This I is the. The lost, lost demo featuring our now, boy. What was the song on that was released on Ram that had Julian Casablancas? Instant Crush. Okay, because like this was the rub with it. Because I, I understand why an artist wouldn't want two songs with the same feature. I think that's a little heavy, and I do think Instant Crush is the better song. Well, sure. I mean, yeah. the thing to keep in mind is this is still a demo. This yeah. is not full, fully fleshed out. If it were fully fleshed out, I'm sure it'd be very interesting. And personally, I wouldn't mind having two, given just, I think, how well his style and his voice kind of matches the tone of the rest of the record. But it would need to be like a B-side one. It would have to be like on the latter half as opposed to anywhere near the front. Instant Crush is one of those tracks that like when it came out was not the favorite or the hit. But you look at the numbers now, Instant Crush has surpassed Get Lucky as like the most popular track off this album. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, and it's well. To be fair, I, I personally think it's a much better song. Yeah. Um, I get I, lucky has that like dance feel to it, but at the same time, it's pretty superficial compared to a lot of the lyrics and a lot of the gonna, content of. We're gonna talk. Crush. We're gonna talk about get lucky uh, later because it was cut from my playlist. 
Uh, yeah. Okay. And, oh, I love that song. I love that song. And, it's a good song, but I, I, and, I just, I'm saying, I think that like, Instant oh, Crush I don't, is the I don't, better one. I don't hate yeah. that take. I don't hate that take. And I definitely understand. I just feel like Get Lucky just has like the best groove on that album. And yeah, it doesn't have the substance that like you could usually that you get throughout the rest of the album. Like it totally does not have that. So I get yeah. that uh, that take. I don't think that's wild at all. But I love Get Lucky, and like we'll talk about it because like as like I was coming up, like as like like twenty twenty one when I first started like social gaming a lot, going to places like. You know, Emporium, GameWorks, Dave and Buster's, because yep. like that was really how I interfaced with that. We'll get to this later. Like I was already older, and Get Lucky was like when I was turning twenty-one, and I could, now I could go to these places. That mm-hmm. song was everywhere. Yeah, I know. And it was just, and it was it was one of the rare songs that was everywhere that I liked. Yeah, I was like, I had gotten into Daft Punk probably a year before Ram came out. I remember being almost a little early to the party on Get Lucky, like when it first came out, because it became a hit like right after the album came out, but it came out as a single like two, three months before that. Yeah. And it was just like, I was like the one, like, how old was I at the time? Probably like 15 year old who was like, yeah, let's go. (laughs) But um, no, I mean, super solid. The rest of the collection on here, but, but the thing I wanted to talk about with Infinity Repeating is that there's a video and it's a i think a damn good video that I got put out last week watching the video it is extremely cool Decide it's um to to me. totally mixed media it starts out as drawn sketches that become a walk walk cycle for like a person or it starts out as like a i guess a circle that becomes an amoeba that becomes like a a, a fish that becomes an ape that becomes a biped then it becomes like a businessman, then a woman in the 70s, and it's all 2D. And then just after that, it becomes... It's like it continues this walk cycle theme, but then it shifts to 3D animation, and it's like cel-shaded, and it becomes like different revolutionary figures, but they've got like certain parts of their outfit or like helmets that are like Daft Punk inspired. And then it runs from that into just like so many more different forms, and it becomes more and more futuristic, yet also calling back to different eras. So, for example, it becomes a, a robotic samurai at one point. Ooh. And then it progresses through all these different forms until it starts becoming like a hybridization of both of their aesthetics. Ooh. So it becomes like this robot woman that she has like a shroud on. It falls away. It becomes like a hybrid of both of their helmets, but with the mouth showing. Yeah. And then it spins. And as it spins, it takes on the different lights and colors of all the different eras of their career. So That's cool. That's a cool it's like. The original set then it goes to like um like daft club remix where it's all lit up then it goes to like when they played the grammys where it was like black and red to ram to like doing the grammys again in white and gold and then to like the crystal album cover that we have now for ram 10 and then it breaks away and there's like this android robot underneath and it's this woman still and she starts running and it's like the camera spins all around her as she's running and then she like disintegrates it's it's very it's very powerful. It's I'll, super cool. I'll just see it. I've always thought of Daft Punk really as like multimedia artists. Definitely. Right. But like, the thing like, is they're so selective with the way they do it. It's really they interesting. Do, yeah. Like I think about what was it, like Intergalactic or not Intergalactic, that's a good cutting one. Interstellar. Interstellar, yeah. Like I think about how there's just like that entire visual component and that's 
as iconic as the music. Maybe not as like you know, maybe I'm. I'm still I'm still looking for a high quality DVD of that. Yeah. For my collection. Yeah, I I just watched it on YouTube. Uh, Me too, but like I want to have it just like yeah. you know in case it ever gets taken down, just to like. And then, have you ever seen Electroma? No, I have not. Electroma is what separates the men from the boys when it comes to the Daft Punk fandom. It's a full length, full like live action film that they made. It's wild. Send a link. <laughs> Send a link to info. It's it's insane. I've seen it once. I saw like a really bad um like high like, seas version of it oh, yeah. to stay streaming friendly. Um super powerful, very slow. There's no dialogue. It's entirely like basically like a silent film. And I'll just give you the premise music? real quick. It's like there's there's some music, yeah. It's not any of their actual like tracks off of any of their projects. It's like instrumental like backing and stuff. Basically, they're, um, the two of them are driving a car through the desert. They arrive in a small town. They go to this laboratory in a small town. They're both like full, in the robot gear. And the robots want to be people. So these lab workers like basically put fake skin and stuff over the tops of their helmets to give them these like horrible disfigured heads. And they go out in the town. But the rest of the town is robot heads, just yeah. like theirs. And so people start looking at them funny and like threatening them or whatever. But then their like robot heads start to melt and they can't maintain the facade that they're human. They want to be human, but they can't be. And then they are distraught and like go out walking in the desert and just walk and walk and walk. And then they eventually like commit robot suicide. One of them gets his fuse pulled out of his back and is, you know, he explodes and the other one like lights himself on fire or something. And so it's it's very much like it feels like very film schooly in a way, but it's super cool. It's it's like a very interesting visual project. And they actually, you know what? They actually used footage from it to announce their breakup. Oh. So that video where it's like them like walking in the desert, what they put out, and then at the end it's like it plays the recap from Touch, you know, like the the choir from from Touch that video footage that went with it is specifically or the first part of it at least is from electroma interesting yeah it's it's a wild film i'll well, send you some links well we're not done talking about daft punk today I'm no god simple. just so i've been on my daft punk shit i've been buying i bought some daft punk records today actually i filled in the gaps in the collection we'll send help uh please <laughs> yeah all right so <laughs> Moving on, we're getting into the news. We got some some pretty big things. Uh, so, seeing as we're taking a little detour from Strictly Hip Hop this week, uh, the Riot Fest lineup was announced. Riot Fest is my festival de jour. I go every year. I already got my three-day pass this year. Uh, I think the lineup looks insane. I think Friday is one of the, like, I think uh, is the Headliners are Foo Fighters and Turnstile, which I yeah. think is like an incredible one-two punch. Yeah. Uh, on Saturday, it's the Postal Service, Death Cab for Cutie, and Queens of the Stone Age. I like Queens of the Stone Age. And then Sunday, it's The Cure and Mars Volta. And that's... Yeah, that's going to hit. Yeah. I have some friends who are really excited about the Postal Service, yeah. who I'm not super familiar with, but I've seen there's, there's like a lot of hype there. So yeah. it's cool. And like, there's plenty of other artists. There's 100 Gex is going to be there, which I think is fun. 
because mm-hmm. uh, I like their new album a little bit more. I did not like their first one at yeah. all, but I like their new one a little bit more. AFI, which was an emo classic from back in the day. Dude, ICP is uh, going to be there. ICP. I think the the shocking, holy shit, this group's going to be there is Death Grips. Yeah, that's a, that's a big ask. That's, that's a big that's a big get, and that's a weird festival. I mean, not really, but like a little bit. And O Seven O Shake is going to be there. I'm excited. I'm just going to say I'm excited about that. That's, that's cool. That, I think that's exactly like I've you know I've always wanted Riot Fest to bring more of a hip hop scene to Riot Fest. Yeah, uh, and I think O Seven O Shake is exactly the kind of artist. Uh, and I'm also super excited for Parliament's Funkadelic. Uh, featuring George yeah. Clinton, Silverstein. Uh, yeah, no, it's this is a really, really solid festival lineup. And I know uh, one of the things I've told Purvis is this year I'm going to find a rock show for him to go to. I'm going to take him to his first rock concert. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking I'm going to tell him to get a pass for Friday. I have a request. What's up? I'm not going to go to this most likely because I've been spending a lot of money on this. And wait, what are the dates for this anyway? Haven't we all? September 15th, 16th, 17th. I have no idea what I'm going to be doing then. So I'm not like putting anything in advance. But my request for you, please go see Frank Turner and the Sleeping Souls. He's on the list. I only just realized he is like one of my favorite, just like random artists who I happen to discover off of like one or two songs. I was listening to him on Spotify, and then I got to see him as the opener for Jason Isbell when I went to see him. Had no idea he was going to be the opener, but it was like a concert that was put together for me because it was like random shit I picked up on Spotify, and then like the only singer songwriter country country style artist I've ever liked. Really, in like one spot. But Frank Turner, Sleeping Souls, super solid, like British Ooh. act, very okay. good. I yeah. do recommend. Yeah, no, I'll be there. Their song "The Next Storm" hits. That's like one of my favorites. I mean, depending on who they play up against, you know, I'm not going to miss Death Grips for them, but I don't think they're going to play at the same time, to be yeah, honest. But yeah, almost I got certainly. you. But yeah, no, absolutely, I will keep that in mind. But yeah, Rye Fest is just once again, it's it's the fest I go to every year, come hell or high water, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it's not that bad when you split the cost with with one person. Uh, Definitely. And also bowling for soup. Bowling for soup. That's a great name. That's so good. I love that name. I just want to know, and they've answered this question, and honestly, I don't want an answer. I want to ponder this forever. Are they <laughs> bowling to receive soup, or are they bowling on behalf of soup? We don't know. Truly, the, the highest never philosophical, philosophical task of our time will be answering that question. Yeah, I also really like how on the poster, because I have it pulled up, I'm looking at it. Yeah. I really like how Finch and Silverstein are next to each other. It sounds like Shel Silverstein's like brother or something. Yeah. Finch Silverstein. Yeah, no. I, That's fun. Yeah, this is the uh, best time of the year for me. So Riot Fest announcement day, have to talk about it. We'll be talking about it every year on this podcast. Yeah. Getting sorry. back to hip hop, uh, two weeks from now, we're getting a Metro Boomin project, technically. Uh. Metro Boomin is uh, dropping on the same day as the release of the movie. Metro Boomin presents Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse or Enter Across the Spider-Verse. His score that he's making for for the movie. And look, I think this is the move everyone wanted Metro Boomin to make. Uh, I'm very excited. I'm so excited for this movie. I'm a Spider-Man simp and... The first 
Spider-Verse movie is probably my favorite Spider-Man movie. That is a hot take, but it's also a valid one. Yeah, no. Look, there are Spider-Man 2 comes up there. Yeah. Uh, I think the fact that No Way Home earns that level of fan service is an accomplishment. Because I don't think it feels like I think it feels very earned in that movie. It does. It's very ambitious, but yeah, it does it, it in a way that's like yeah. it, it it wraps it up nicely. It definitely plays into the character. Like it's not like oh they For just sure. got these guys. They actually like made a movie where like that's gonna be important. Yeah. And but all that being said, Into the Spider Verse might still be my favorite one. And this sequel's looking great. He's actually yeah. in the movie. That's awesome. I'm I'm so hyped for this. I'm going to be I'm hoping this is the next score I listen to on on repeat because you know, I love movie scores in the context of the movie, but I'm not the person who listens to them uh super often like on their own. Usually yeah. only like a curated playlist of it that I put on when I'm reading, but really that's just like the Game of Thrones score and Lord of the Rings. I'll, I'll I definitely go more score I think than a lot of people. Um, a lot of people listen do. To like, like my my production partner from college, Uwer, he he listens to scores more than any other kind of music. If I'm feeling whimsical, I'll put on like the what is it, um, Grand Budapest Hotel, yeah, and just like be in a Wes Anderson movie. If I'm at the gym and I want to feel like I'm I can lift ten times my weight, I put on the God of War soundtrack, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Um, and then obviously Halo is always on repeat for me, like yeah. always on repeat. And then like some classic games from when I was a kid, like certain Pokemon games, Crisis 2, Modern Warfare, like stuff like that I'll put on just like vibe out to sometimes. See, like the thing, and this is heresy to some people, but the thing about me, like my whole life, like I would always play video games on mute with the subtitles on and then like listen to music. Uh I don't think that's that much heresy. It depends on the games, but like a lot of times, like no one cares. Like I do it on Call of Duty. Yeah, I grew up playing like Game Boy Advance and then like Nintendo DS. So like a lot of times you just didn't have sound. Period. Like I knew the Pokemon games always had great sound, and I all I knew all the songs like just from like on and off. Yeah. But like a lot of the time, I wasn't sitting there with like the volume up on my DS because that shit also took like battery life. And it's annoying. It's annoying to other people. Sure, yeah. yeah. Not that when I was 12, I gave a shit about that, but That's yeah. That's fair, yeah. I did. Empathy, empathy, dad... is, not, empathy is not developed yet at, I, at 12. Was, mine was more like, <laughs> less like empathy and more like, I know my dad will throw something at me. And oh, it's like, right, valid. Yeah. yeah. So either way, I'm very excited about this uh, Metro Boomin uh, score. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with Slow Thigh at all? Before, yes, I am. But before we get into that, what do you think is going to be more in rotation, or you're going to appreciate more as a project? Metro Boomin presents Spider Man, or the Kendrick Lamar Black Panther project? That's I'm going to have to hear him first. But yeah, but just know, like if you had to like take a guess, thing, like I would say. Because, like, I never listened to, like, Black Panther Project on its own, like, throughout a lot. But, like, yeah. there were some songs from it, like, Pray For Me and All The Stars and, like, the one with Future. Uh, yeah. Like, I just listened to a lot, like, those songs. So, it's hard to say. I, if this really, really hits, if it's as good as 
the score was to into the Spider-Verse, probably this. Yeah, I agree. Because for me, I, I did go ahead and listen to the Black Panther one just like when it came out. Yeah. It's extremely long-winded. And well, I think it's actually... That, like, yeah, I always wonder like how much of a service even releasing these things are because like they're sure. not meant to work as albums, right? Like Well, I mean some artists try, but Yeah, but I they, feel like I feel like it is kind of the equivalent of like when we used to get like a movie video game tie in. It's yeah. like that now, but just music yeah. is like the thing. And the thing is it's rare, you know, like this is not this is not the default. Like this yeah. isn't the first time it's happened, obviously, but this is not the default. You know. Yeah. Uh but yeah, no, I'm I'm thinking probably this because like the 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 ability to listen to it passively will probably put it above uh Yeah, I I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. All right. Are you familiar with Slow Thigh? I am. I've seen there's been a lot of a lot of controversy surrounding the man for a yeah. long time. I just put interesting this in there because it felt big and but I don't want to talk about it too much because it's gross. But yeah. he got charged with some pretty heinous sex crimes. And Oof. it sucks because he's really talented and cool and I like him a lot. Uh, but yeah, Wild. never, never a fun time. Right. And the other thing is that Slow Thigh is definitely an artist that like. I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's always been a little questionable. Yeah. Yeah. He's always like said and done questionable shit. But I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt because like. You know, uh, he gets called out a lot in British newspapers. He's also super critical of Britain. So I'm always like, you know, is this, you know, him being defamed? And then it turned out, no, not at all. He is just this kind of a shitty of a person, it turns out. So yeah. this was this was a mild heartbreak for me. Very mild. Yeah. Because, you know, Slow Thigh is not a top tier artist for me, but. Yeah, but you know, here here we are. Is is Slothai potentially if he steps into like the 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 villain arc? Not that he wasn't already there in some ways. Is he just British X? It's kind of British X, yeah. The only thing yeah. is that X didn't put I out a project one tenth as good as There's Nothing Great About Britain. Eh, I mean, yeah, I yeah, like, I, I happen to like Question Mark. I like a lot of songs off Question Mark, but I yeah, I, I get you. My thing is that like it's. It was just too many. I found stuff X in too many different ways. Yeah, I understand. And then he died, and it's like I feel, I feel weird like reevaluating him creatively, uh, posthumously, when I kind of fucking hated the guy. Uh, eh, I mean, it's one of those things, though, right? Where it's like, when the person is alive and continues to have like an active, negative. I guess force or like negative out outcome on humanity in some way. Like, yeah, there's a feeling there, but if that person is gone and they can't like hurt anybody anymore and you're just appreciating their art for it being their art, I, I feel like there's a difference there where it's like, you can kind of step back and just look at the art without the clouding or the shadowing of the, the person's contemporary, I guess, actions. And I feel that like eventually when Kanye passes, it's going to be exactly the same way where it's like, his art's going to stand for what it is, and Kanye the man is going to become further detached from what is, like, pop culture. Well, I definitely agree with that second part a lot. Uh, I think with, specifically with Kanye, like, 
I've kind of actually been a little shocked at like, cause I, I've, a lot of the content I consume is like very overtly political and very overtly left wing. Definitely. And, uh, you know, some of it crosses over into hip hop content. And like, yeah. there's this one, he's a guy I recommend all the time. FT Singifier. He was very, mm-hmm. very critical of Kanye long before what happened in 2022. Yeah. Uh, and then he's basically like, we got to cut this guy completely out. Like because of this, but like, he reacted to Rolling Stones top 50 rappers of all time. Mm-hmm. And like Kanye was number one. And like, he didn't, he didn't stutter. I think Kanye was number one. No, he was number two. I was say he wasn't number one. I remember that list. Yeah. He was number two. He was behind Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, yeah, Kanye, Kanye number two is okay. And it's like, yeah. Oh wow. It's like this guy, it hasn't even been a year. And like, political actors are like starting to reevaluate his music, which I think once again, I think it's fine. I'm just, I think it's interesting how quickly it happened. Uh, I agree. I mean, and, X passed away in what? 2018. Yeah. But my thing one, you know, I think some of the things X did uh, are going to have ripple effects for years. So I think just cause he's no longer causing new pain, does not mean he has not caused irrevocable damage that is still being felt today. And the other thing is, once again, I bounced off him in many ways. I also found the music like very uninteresting, shallow, and kind of pedantic, and very immature at the time. Right? Like, yeah. I'm not yeah. going to go back and like give it this new reevaluation when I, when I hit both of those things. I feel very similarly to it as I do like about Harry Potter where it's like, I fucking hate Harry Potter. If JK Rowling was a good person, I would probably still hate Harry Potter. Like, yeah, I, I feel that way. I agree with you about the earlier projects. I think that just in terms of like how ambitious it is, ambitious it is. I think like question mark is more interesting in a lot of ways. Um, did you listen to, I don't even speak Spanish, LOL when I recommended it. Uh, no, I did not listen to it yet. Okay. I'm super curious what your take is going to be because it's just like such an interesting, like fun song and yeah. it's very different like from the rest of everything else on that project. Like you listen to Floor 555, which is just, like him screaming his head off. Yeah. It's like Nirvana turned like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like the like, only the only X song I ever liked a little bit and it was because of the Ski Mask feature later on was R.I.P. Roach. Okay. Yeah. Which, you know, it's kind of my vibe a little bit. But even that was like, I don't know. Like, that was like very much like my vibe. And it's like, it's okay. Like, I like, I like sad because of the sample it uses. But yeah. yeah. All right. Creative. So, yeah. speaking of sad things, yeah. I think we had a, an artist get really screwed over. And his, uh, so apparently, Kid Cudi, the thing he's been teasing is a uh, album with DJ Drama. Is it an album or a mixtape? I think it's an album. That's what I had heard. I just know DJ Drama usually does mixtapes, but unless it's Tyler, apparently, unless it's Tyler, yeah. And Pusha T apparently is on the way as well. Like he's been teasing, but I thought the Pusha T one he was teasing a mixtape. I thought he had a mixtape with DJ Drama and then an album coming. Oh, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's that's the case. I thought he said that there were two things coming, and one of them was a DJ Drama mixtape. That'd be wild. But then he was also he also was on Ten. He also did he also produced Ten, and Ten was an album. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, this is really unfortunate, dude. I do not like leak culture. I think it's, 
I think it's inevitable when you have something that's like hyped and anticipated and it's, I don't even want to use this phrase because this isn't what it's doing, but like what's kept behind a gate. Yeah. People are always going to try and break down that gate, but the thing For is sure. that's fucked up and wrong and I hate it. Uh, yeah. And well, even, even from a selfish perspective, like in a lot of ways, leaks make it harder for people to consume the music that they want to consume because artists get protective and defensive and then they start to kind of tighten their circle a little bit, maybe produce more, like create new songs, new material more selectively. Look at Cardi, like look, everything that's happened with yeah, him no, that's, and all the leaks. I was about to call bullshit, but then you say that and I'm like, oh, that's... that's and then also, yeah. and then there's there's a lot of stuff that artists will just like never put out if it gets leaked, period, right? Like, yeah. and, and I think the earliest example that I can think of is Green Day. Do you know the story of the album that came before American Idiot that never was? No, I don't. Green Day recorded an entire album that was effectively stolen, not leaked, but the recording hardware on which it was stored at the time. And this was like very early 2000s. So like backups and proper digital processes yeah, were not being followed. Warning or whatever that one before American Idiot, that was in the late 90s. Exactly. So in, in like 99, yeah. yeah, between like 99 and 2003, they were like working on other stuff and there was gonna be a new album. And it just got stolen. Like the hardware it was on disappeared. They still don't know what happened to it to this day. The project that they went on to record after that to replace it was American Idiot. Which I think is insane because I think American Idiot is one of the biggest upticks in quality from like one exactly. to the other exactly. I've ever seen. Like But think about it. It's been over twenty years at this point, and we still have never heard or seen anything about this missing green day album i don't i want i want answers i have a question i want to hear that fucking thing if you want answers i think i can see through this pretty quickly do you think maybe this is smokescreen no i mean there's they've think... discussed they've discussed it i, I would look sure, it up but I like you. i look i my conspiracy mind is just going like I feel you. Yeah, and like I thought the, the only, same thing. The only reason why you would steal something like that would be to sell it. Right? Let me see. I don't like, know. I guess if someone could convince me that there was a reason to steal... Oh, you know what? No, there's more information on it now. Um, apparently, here it is. Uh, there was an unreleased studio album called Cigarettes and Valentines. Would have been the follow-up to Warning. Album was nearly finished when the master tapes were stolen from the band's studio. Instead of re-recording, the band decided to start from scratch, leading to the creation of American Idiot in 2004. In an interview with Enemy, Enemy, I don't, I don't know who the fuck, like what publisher that is. Yeah. On November 18, 2016, Armstrong and Durnt stated that the master tapes are now being used for new songs. So I guess they did get them back, but it wasn't like made pop, like public, like popular knowledge. So yeah, apparently, Cigarettes and Valentines, the the hit song off the album, like the lead single, was played for the first time live in 2010. So like they've like teased content from it, but always wanted to go back to it. I guess is the thing. And so like they've had these songs for years now and just have not, not put them out. But we like we would have had a whole other Green Day album if it weren't for this. Insane, absolutely yeah. insane. And like, it just sucks, man. Like it just it's a shitty thing to do to another person. I also mm -hmm. think like. You know, 
I think like we view artists through a very transactional lens. Very much. I think this is the result. This is like the result of that. It's just like, you know, you you don't see this as a human being. You know, God forbid someone looked at our podcast before it was edited. Do you have any idea how many slurs are in here? No, I'm kidding. Uh, Oof. <laughs> <laughs> takes us three hours every week to de-slur the podcast. But yeah. We had to Some make, of them you've never even heard before. We had to make an entire Adobe plugin. Like, oh. de-slur. Like, <laughs> God, using the power of AI. Using the power of AI. That'd be good. Like, <laughs> we'll get rid of all your slurs. Welcome to, to Slur GPT. Like, oh, man, what would that even look like? <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, probably bad. It would probably become racist within days. Uh, like uh, Tay, Tay AI, when that was a thing. Hilarious. Yeah. In 24 hours, she was like, Hitler did nothing wrong. And it's like, yeah. I- I'll tell you, the most believable thing I've ever seen in a comic book movie was when Ultron logged onto the internet and after eight oh, yeah. seconds, and was, was like, like, yeah, y'all need to go. We got to get rid of these people. Like, <laughs> I, I like, love that so much. That is like so the much. most... Like some people don't buy that as a villain origin. I think it's the most compelling one ever put to film. Like, yeah, the fact that Optimus Prime was like, "We must fight for the humans." After analyzing the entirety of the internet, is the biggest. No, bullshit. it's like we must, we must eliminate the humans. The Decepticons aren't doing it fast enough. Like, <laughs> uh, all right, I think this is probably the biggest like hype alert of of the week. Seems the tide is going out with Travis Scott. He's showing off Utopia at an Astros game. That and also the box. Yeah. Yeah. He's walking around with it like it's the nuclear football, probably to prevent a similar news story to what we just talked about. So I I don't say I don't. Yeah. Look, it's over the top and not silly, but very funny. Uh, Yeah. But it's not. Walking around with the masters handcuffed to your hand is not irrational. No, it's not. But, but when you have security, like Travis Scott has security, yeah. you can take risks. Oh yeah, you like can do that. that. Yeah, no, totally. Hardy needs to hire some of those guys. So he played it for the Astros. Yep. Uh, he said they're just finishing the master, and then it's going to come out. What do you think? We're at like an eighty percent chance this comes out this year. Oh, I think it's definitely coming out this year. Oh, you think it's like a hundred? Yeah, I, I, I mean, he's pers- he's never been one to delay a project. Yeah, I know. Like Astro well, delayed like what? Like he a deli- week? He delayed this one quite a bit. But like, well, yeah, but the extenuating circumstances. Yeah, totally. But I get it. He's not someone who like pushes things back and like does that. I'm just wondering because I know they're mixing it, and it's yeah. just you know Travis Scott makes very intricate songs. I would not. It would not blow my mind that it took over six months to finish it. Like, I could see it being delayed from its original like slated release date, but it's going to come out this year. Date? It's sometime this or, summer. Or do they like? Do have they even announced it? No, they haven't. But I, yeah. it's going to be. Let me tell you this. I, it's going to be August. I'll believe it. It's gonna be, Look, it's going to be August. Uh Astral was August. It's going to be the same type of release schedule, like media cycle. Then yeah. there's going to be the tour starting next year. I'll, I'll it's going to be the same process. Jesus Christ! Uh, I'm going. I'm going. Like we're, we're there. I told. I told Purvis just put it on my tab. 
Yeah, uh, I'll, I don't care what it costs. I'll yeah, do floor. Yeah, Fuck it. Yeah, well, God, look, I I hope, it, I hope it comes out. I'm I'm excited for this. This is you know one. It's of coming the, out. Yeah. yeah. I, I oh I guarantee it's gonna come out. And the other thing is, I believe that once Travis gives us a date, he'll hit that date. Uh, that I yeah. I just we haven't gotten the date yet. That's no, we have not. You know, but I'm positive it's gonna I would, be later this year. I look I. He, I think it's like 80, 90%. Like, I think it's very likely. I just think it is not outside the realm of possibility that it takes more than six months to finish to mix and then promote this album. So he does it. Well, he's been promoting it. There were al- there were billboards last I, year I, saying, see you in Utopia. Yes, but you know, like an actual, like, label. Yeah, like the rollout. Is not, not going to be just that. Like, it's. For sure, yeah. You're going to have to do an entire two weeks of P&E, like. It at least, at least. That being said, once again, 80, 90% sure on my end that's coming out this year. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I think, to his credit, Travis does is like he, he lets people know there's a project coming. Yeah. But then once the hype starts to build, it's usually out like relatively quickly. Yeah. Like, and, and it tends to mirror, honestly, like what he does with Nike and the way Nike does it, where it's like, the rumors of a new shoe, rumors of a new shoe. Okay, the shoe is confirmed. It's dropping in exactly one week. And then it's like a week passes and the shoe comes out. Yeah. So it's like you don't know if it's like official until the very end, but then there's a very short window where it's like confirmed and, and then it comes out. And that's my point is that we're just in that don't know phase. And it's just like... I predict we're going to know about this album having a release date by the second week of July, and it's going to come out by the third week of August. Okay. That's my that's prediction. It's very specific. Yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking about how Astroworld happened, but yeah. I mean, I don't think that sounds wrong, but I just think, okay, my hope for you. Because it's a summer album for sure. Fingers Uh, crossed. So my question for you is, do you ever think about, like, would you want artists to be more transparent about the process? Because, like, there's there's an author I really like, right? And every week he goes on YouTube and he says, hey, the next book I'm writing, it's now, it went from 39 to 43% done. Right. And like he checks people in on the progress. So like mm-hmm. very often and transparently. Do you think that's the kind of thing that you would want like in music or is like the because to me, I think like the behind the scenes kind of mysticalness of it is kind of cool. And I kind of like that. I definitely appreciate that as well. I like some behind the scenes. Yeah. I like teasing like there are. There are a lot of things and a lot of like iconic music moments that have come out of like little cl- video clips of the studio, right? Like yeah. the clip of everybody rocking to um, Zay Zay, where it's just like they're all yeah. like it's stuff like that. And just like it's cool to see like some behind the scenes, like you get like a little artist story on like live or whatever every once in a while. Yeah. Tyler, for example, up in the mountains doing his thing before Call Me If You Get Lost came out, where he's like yeah. recording. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's, a, I think there's like a fine line between like way too much and give kind of giving everything away in a way that's not doesn't build the hype in a way that I guess people are really excited for, and then there's doing the opposite, which is starving your fan base into, to the point where they become rabid and then consume anything that sounds like you. I think Playboy Cardi, I think Frank Ocean, yeah, yeah and I think I think people like that. I mean. A Daft Punk, to an extent, at this point, or like yeah. up until they broke up, was exactly yeah. like that. Yeah, and it's that that shit is disappointing. Like, 
nightmare. I don't like being kept in limbo personally. Yeah, no, it's definitely nice. And like, look, it's one thing when you're like childish Gambino who's making Atlanta and is like, I'm not making an album right now. And it's yeah. like, you know, you know. Yeah, like don't leave people hanging. But at the same time, like if you're going to make something, let them hang a little bit because that's what kind of yeah. stirs the pot, you know? Yeah, no. And no, I, I totally agree. Uh, do you have a mm-hmm. do you have a favorite tease you've ever gotten? That's tough. Because um, there was one that blew my mind. Just the lead up to Astroworld was insane. Thinking yeah. back, I I managed to buy the shoes that came out prior and like all this other shit, and that was such a time. And I I feel very nostalgic for that, like 2018. Um, but at the same time. I would say honestly, the lead up to man, what is it? The the lead up to um, Passion Pain and Demon Slayer, because there were rumors then that it was going to be Man on the Moon three, yeah, and it wasn't. But at the same time, at the, at the time, Cuddy came out and said like, "Look, sometimes we can't just do the sequel. Sometimes it's got to be something different." Yeah, and he said that prior to it coming out. And I happened to fuck with the album, and it, I went to the tour, and it was, like, one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. And I, I still, that album has a soft spot for me. So, like, that lead-up was very much, it wasn't, like, aggressively choreographed and marketed, but at the same time, it didn't feel just, like, slapdash together. It was just, like, yeah, something's coming, it's going to be new, and we don't know exactly what it is, but it's happening, and there's going to be a tour for the first time in five years. So, like, yeah. shit like that. Yeah, that was, that was a big deal. I mean, I... You know, I feel differently about that album, but I do not I know, feel differently yeah. about that tour. That, yeah, exactly. That yeah. tour was so good. It made me re-listen to that album and think I might have been wrong. And I wasn't, but like it was. Well, was I don't know. There's some bright, there are some bright spots on that album. That is, that is a dark album with some bright spots. I would say uh, you and me see dark very differently. Uh, sure. Like I, so as far as teases go, like my, the, the one that I always will remember and being like, this is like one of the craziest moments I've ever seen. Uh, and it's just because it was serendipitous and like borderline prophetic. Uh, but it's very sad. It's not a fun one uh, mm. because it was in 2020. It was in May, uh, right around the time of the George Floyd incident. And LP oh, yeah. yep. uh, posted a clip of the song of like an unreleased Run the Jewels song that would be on Run the Jewels 4. Yeah. Where the lyric goes, uh, and you so numb, you watch the cops choke out a man like me until my voice goes from a shriek to a whisper, I can't breathe. Yeah. And you, and it's this very prophetic moment of like, holy shit, he's talking about what just happened on the news. And then, you know, they tweeted out like, no, this was recorded in 2019. We've been mastering it all in 2020. And then within a week, because of the uprising around that event, the album was out. Because they were like, we can't miss this moment. So it was just like this weird, like art and reality, not like intersecting, but T-boning and like unrecognizable at that point. It was one of the most mind blowing events I've ever seen. Yeah, that's that's something that's that's tough, too. Right. Because like there's the Venn diagram of like commercial success versus like popular culture and like current media events versus like capitalization on both of those things coinciding. Yeah. 
and it's it's like sometimes it's questionable but sometimes it just kind of happens yeah i um, think in this context when you have people who are speaking truth to power about these issues yeah it's i think it's appropriate but yeah you're right because like you don't want it to come across like are you it, taking you either advantage of the situation because that's obviously horrifying and people yeah. did that like yeah you're you know, either that or you're on the opposite end you are a kylie jenner pepsi commercial yeah yeah you're either no killer mike or kylie jenner you're one of the two like god there are two genders like, <laughs> <laughs> <Oof>. Jesus. <laughs> they unpaid no way support non-binary identities like uh, should we? I identify as Killer Mike. Like, <laughs> Moving on. I identify as sad. Uh, Same. All right. So. Too real. We're at the challenge. We're at our main event. Let's do it. So this all started because over the last few weeks, I've been like very nostalgic for like my early 20s where I'd spent a lot of time like in arcades playing old games with my friends. You know, there was a time where I was at. I don't think it was Emporium, but it may have been. It was like 2014 where I was just playing Street Fighter with my old friends from the movie theater that I used to work at constantly, you know. And it was just, I'm guessing you liked my first uh, song pick. Then. I did, I did. So yeah. the kind of aesthetic, the kind of vibe we were thinking of for this, uh, for this like whole episode was let's make a mixtape, you know. Yes. You find a situation that you're in. It's kind of like an old-fashioned thing. You make a mixtape, and that's what we wanted to do. Like, what's your like arcade gaming kind of vibe kind of thing? But this mm. is something we want to do a few different times. We have a few different aesthetics we want to hit, and we felt this one was also very strong because it would be one that highlights genres of music that we listen to that Purvis doesn't. And he's in London, mm -hmm. <coughs> so see you, Purvis. Yeah, I hope he's watching this. It would be a great opportunity to learn. Uh, yeah, I could see him sitting there just laughing. Yeah, laugh, doing the thing he does where he like leans back from the look, mic. Look laughing. directly into yeah. your camera, Purvis. Are you watching the podcast, Purvis? You yeah. should be watching this. You're on this. Like, <laughs> uh. contribute so. to our our viewing stats, Purvis. Come on, <laughs> come on. The analytics aren't going to juice themselves. You, Calhoun. <laughs> be the capitalist you wish to see in the world. Consume the content you choose to consume. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yep. Anyway, so we did this. We're going to include both. If you're listening to this, there's going to be links to both playlists below. Uh, so you can look at what we were doing. Jasper, how did you feel about this? What was your thought process going into it? I really enjoyed this. I, yeah. I really liked, I liked the list that I came up with. I really liked your list as well. Um, yeah. I think we've approached it in very different ways, which we I think did. is super interesting. I would, it, it's super interesting because like we have songs that are like next to each other on albums. Yeah. But I would say that they're used in very different ways. I would say, yeah, almost opposites. I would say, yeah. Uh, so we kind of took this prompt of like, yeah, make a 15 track mixtape for a, a night of gaming. And yeah. that's exactly what we did. So do you want to go one-to-one? -one? Uh, or I don't know. We're kind of figuring this out on the vibe. On the on yeah, the I mean, we can go one to one unless you want to like dive in. Mine is seventeen tracks. Yours is fifteen. Yeah. Um, I really, really like how we both came in at just over an hour. Yeah. With what we had, I think that's really fucking cool. Yeah. No, we definitely did it. And I gotta say, I just appreciate someone who sequences a playlist. I went through yes. mine like uh, ten times. Like. 
does this flow correctly? Me too. Is this the right one? There's a few transitions that I think work really well. So yeah, uh, yeah. So let's get started. What was so you started with? We we started our playlist very differently. I went straight into the music. Yes, you did. And you went with an opener. So I did. Yes. Explain yours. So I went with uh, Start by Frank Ocean, which is the little opening 40-second track off of Channel Orange. Which totally Frank works. is, Yeah, and Frank is known for having video game sounds interspersed throughout his early projects, right? He's got a track called Street Fighter, which yeah. is the boot-up sound to Street Fighter on Nostalgia Ultra. So I decided to go with that just because it kind of like sets the tone a little bit. You get like the classic like boot-up sounds, and then you get into some... Um, I would say pretty retro or like synth synth wave inspired um, yeah. music that actually it's it's legitimate artists at, who are performing and, and making this music, but these are actually songs featured in video games as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you started with start, which I thought yep. was great. I thought it set the mood and like, because there were two different ways to approach this. It's like, are you social gaming? Is this like out at the arcade kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Or is this like, a music that you play because like gaming is like i think by default a home activity nowadays for most people yeah Yeah. unless you live in like japan or something yeah unless you live in japan right like there was a time before either of us were alive where like arcades were the default way to consume video games but that was an expensive time (laughs) yeah it was an expensive time uh and i think i think the way that arcades manifested in my lifetime is actually super interesting i've been reading about like you know, there was a big uh, decline and resurgence and everything. Yep. Uh, so I started mine uh, with Separate Waves by Journey. A super interesting pick. Now, I really like this song a lot. Now, this was my Tron Daft Punk reference. Yes. Because in, in there's a scene in Tron Legacy uh, and it, where... Uh, Sam Flynn gets to the arcade yep. to find his father and he turns on the power and this is the song that plays as the arcade boots up. Yep. Right? So me, I just wanted to hit the music immediately. Yeah. Uh, and it totally worked for me at least. Like It does? I, yeah. And I just think like, you know, I, I played a lot with that 80s sound and a lot of like different types of the 80s sound and I thought this was like a nice bridge between like that very synthy rich kind of lick and like the rock kind yes. of like layered vocals that were kind of also part of the sound. Definitely. Yeah. I was a little surprised with the placement just because to me, this, this song has like such a climactic feel to it yeah. that I would have expected this generally on like a more conventional and like maybe a more conventional playlist in terms of the topic that we're doing yeah. to be towards like the second third of it or something maybe like towards the middle yeah just because of that but at the same time like it really works as an opener too because it really gets your attention yeah it's like a good starting thump for the yes. energy right and, Definitely. and that was the thing i really liked about it right and mm-hmm. to me it's just like it's it's the music that was played during the golden age of the arcade so it's like mm-hmm. what else why the hell it? not and the yeah, other thing is that honestly. like Look, Tron came out. I don't know what year Tron came out exactly. I think it was 2010? 11? Yeah, 11. 11, yeah. Yeah, I was like 20 years old when Tron came out. And like that was during the resurgence of arcades where things like Gameworks and Dave and Busters were starting to get more popular. Mm 
and I remember I I went to tr- see Tron and I heard this song and I'm like, oh, sick. And then like yeah. two days later, I went to GameWorks with a friend's. Mm-hmm. And the song started playing. So ever since then, I've associated this. It's the direct sense memory. It's yep. a direct sense memory. And like a lot of these things, that's another thing. A lot of the picks I picked are going to be drawing directly from like my experiences in these spaces, either directly mm-hmm. or not. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so let's go on to your second track. This is one I enjoyed a lot. Yep, so this is Miami Original Mix by another Jasper, Jasper, Jasper Byrne. Byrne. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's super solid, kind of like similarly like an opening track. Yeah. And this one is actually the also the menu music for the game Hotline Miami. I love this game a lot. It's very hard, though. It is hard. Um, did you play it on PC? I did. Yeah. I will say I think 2 is even harder yeah um in that i have not beaten two yeah <laughs> i've beaten one i have not beaten but one. Um, i should probably replay it with a controller no oh it's better no, with no. mouse and keyboard you think way better with mouse and keyboard yeah, yeah being able to like look and like really focus the enemies with looking with yeah. the mouse is in, in like essential yeah but um yeah i my approach to this list from here forward is pretty much rather than generating kind of like the feeling or like what music would be playing at an arcade my approach was really like if i were bumping around an arcade playing lots of different games from like all different periods that you would find in one like a really big diverse arcade what would i find and what would be on it yeah and i guess i do kind of intersperse that with stuff i would see like playing in the background which we'll see later but a lot of this is stuff i could feel i feel would either be in video games or rather is in video games at some point or is adjacent to them Something I think is super interesting is that not only is this literally from a video game, but mm. I think it also like very much captures that, I don't know, almost ironic, idyllic kind of like 80s vibe. And like obviously yes. like that's built into the aesthetic of the game. Yeah, the but, second you see the title screen, you know, like what you're in for. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I look, I'm a big fan of Hotline Miami. I'm a big fan of the aesthetic of it. So yes. I thought this was a a banging option. So I was a big fan of this. I was. So like my my one, I guess like my sentiment was like, if I owned an arcade, what would yeah. I play? Like yeah. that was like more my thing. That uh-huh. wouldn't like scare people off too much. Yeah. Uh, and like once again, like this is my next track is kind of like where I kind of want to take a little bit of a detour. Because my next one was uh, Smoking and Drinking by Danny Brown. This is one mm-hmm. of the transitions I was very proud of. I feel like... I like the, this one. Yeah. The last note from Separate Ways and the opening, uh, like, like the really, like, dramatic ending of Separate Ways and then the very immediate start of this, like, I think made it, like, a really fun one-two punch. Mm-hmm. And this one was, like, just going to keep it real here. Like, when I was I was raised, like, in the late 90s, early 2000s, arcades were not really a thing at that point or at least like where i was right like there was like the really shitty arcade that had like three machines at the movie theater and everything was super expensive yep uh but that was about it right uh like i don't think any of like the adult arcades were open the only time i ever remember seeing an arcade when i was a kid uh was 
it, when me and my family go on vacation to like touristy locations, my, our family had a house in Panama City Beach like before it was like a spring break place. Gotcha. And they had a ton of arcades, right? Mm-hmm. Because like you know it's a tourist place. Yeah. <laughs> so my experience in this kind of space is when I was twenty twenty one and I started going to bars and like this new like in the late twenty two thousands early twenty tens the craze mm-hmm. of like the barcade popped up. Yep. And that was that is like really my chief like interaction with this kind of space. Uh, like I'm not that big of a dancer. I don't go to like nightclubs. When I was in college and we wanted to go out for a night, we would go to Emporium. We would go to headquarters. We would go to whatever, you know, there's a million of them. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I put this one on just because like, I thought one, I thought it was like, it kind of has like the grimier, completely opposite ends of the spectrum kind of thing. Almost like an adult swim vibe. For some reason I associate like, arcades with like late night adult swim style content mm-hmm. and i thought this just kind of hit everything like in the middle and it's just also gonna has... put too many cooks yeah. on the playlist yeah there's too <laughs> many cooks yeah oh my god i wish there was an audio play version of unedited footage of a bear uh <laughs> but yeah no that was my yeah i know weird right it's about like <laughs> throwback god <laughs> But yeah, so this was my second one. Uh, I think it's a fucking great song. And yeah, it's uh, because uh, most of the time when I'm at arcades in my life, I've been fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that checks out. Yeah. Um, so I I have more tracks than you, so I'm going to do these next two together just okay. so we kind of like even out a little bit. Um, the next two are both also from the Hotline Miami soundtrack, also yeah. by separate artists. The first one is Hydrogen by Moon. Yeah, and I like the, this the one, one I, a lot. This is probably the one of the three I liked Hydrogen the most. Yeah, Moon is one of my favorite artists. One of their songs, like one, one of my favorite artists who's not like in the main, like mainline rap genre, obviously. Um, man, th- their song Dust is excellent. Really, really good. Always solid production, always instrumental. And I'm always, I always really like take a lot away from it when I'm listening to it. I would say knock knock by scattle also has like one of my favorite transitions from scattle to the song after it which we'll talk about in a bit but yeah these two back to back are just like kind of setting the stage instrumentally for more songs that actually do have vocals yeah and also songs that carry this kind of like 80s theme forward and it's interesting because we say 80s and i think that's just because like that's when these things were very popular so or like, like synth pop, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, look, we were at an arcade like last week, and it's like you could tell like yeah. that design aesthetic. It was literally a '70s themed night, and I don't think you can ex- like escape the '80s aesthetic baked into that establishment. hundred you know percent. I mean, like even like the Taylor Swift area, like still kind of yeah. has like all the neon lights, and it kind of yep. still kind of feels like that. And this was not a place that was open in the '80s. It was constructed to look like this, mm-hmm. but. You know, there's a lot of different ways to play with that sound, right? But I don't think it's the only sound that is definitely uh, not that is associated with this thing. And the next one does kind of get back to my childhood. It does kind of mm-hmm. get back to like, you know, the equivalent, you know, the equivalent of like those movie theater arcades, like when I was like, 13. I enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah. When I was like 13 with my friends for the first time. Like, my mm-hmm. mom would drop us off at the mall. Uh, it's Fat Lip by Sum Forty One. 
Sum 41 is one of my low-key favorite bands of all time. I think they are a staple in pop punk. I think they are the rare pop punk album bands. Yeah. Because like, I think a lot of their, especially their first few albums, really, really work as albums. Uh, and this is just like, it's one of their more iconic songs. Uh, and I think just the energy of it, you know? I was thinking about like w- how I wanted to get from my last song, Danny Brown, to the next song, which we'll get to. Uh, like what kind of energy I needed to like push through that. And yeah, this isn't so much of a time with like arcade culture, but like it certainly reflects it for me. Yeah, I absolutely love this album cover. Yeah. It's such a, it's like the most early 2000s thing, I, 2000s thing I can think of. And the fact that like, the fact that the song is called Fat Lip when this is the album cover is yeah. excellent. 10 out of 10. Yeah. No, also, this is like the pop punk band you don't hear about. Yeah. They're no, like they the, yeah. Yeah, no, they are. I think like recently, like if you talk to a lot of people like in that space, like in that culture of pop punk, like I think a lot of people recognize them as great. But yeah, no, they do not get like the very, nowhere near nowhere near like the praise of uh, Fall Out Boy. Well, Fall Out Boy and MCR, they're all in the emo slumps. But like, and also Fall Out Boy is tough because there's a local bias for us. For sure, significant. I, yeah, no, it's a significant local bias. I think like it's fair to say I think the thing that really opened my mind up to how big Fall Out Boy really was was meeting Rachel who was from Bowling Green, Kentucky and yeah. Fall Out Boy was like the most popular band there too and it's like uh, but yeah when I was thinking pop punk I was thinking more like uh, Blink-182 yeah and uh, Good Charlotte and maybe speaking of Blink-182 the observant listeners among those out there will notice we didn't even touch on the second week of Coachella because like it didn't happen. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. Although don't boo blink 182. They're fine. Like I'm not, I'm just saying like the fact uh, that it was like, oh, it's like, all right, this could not have been made more irrelevant to this yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, exactly. Like blink 182 is exactly the artist we don't cover. Yeah. All right. So this is going to be a double hit kind of technically. But uh, do you want to go into your next one? Because like it was one I was certain was going to appear. Yes. Um, moving from Knock Knock by Scattle. Super smooth transition straight into Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Yeah. The reason I include this song, the vibes are unmistakable. How could you not? And also, there it is not just that the vibes are unmistakable to me, someone who did not live through the 1980s. But I've told this story before. I played this for my dad, who's turning 60, like next year and i said when do you think this came out and he listened to it for a solid like 30 seconds and he said this sounds like music i listened to in 1987 did this come out in 1987 and i said no this came out in 2019 yeah he was he just kind of like stopped and then listened to it for a for like like another minute or so like maybe less than a minute was like wow (laughs) just like that was that because like it's it's such a faithful recreation to people who lived it even that i'm like I'm floored by it. Honestly, like, yeah, that's exactly because I have a song from this project, which I am a huge simp for. Uh, I have a song from this project on my playlist as well. I went with a different one, and we'll explain more when we get there. But, yeah, yeah, when I was deciding which one I was going to put on, it was immediately Mm -hmm. clear to me that, like, this was the 
most direct, faithful reconstruction of the 80s. Absolutely. Right? Yes. Uh, It's the reason I went another way with mine. Yeah. Uh, But it is undeniable, right? That it was just a pitch perfect recreation. Really was. Yeah. All right. So for my next one, next one on my list, I had to go to what I think might be the most iconic instrumental of the 80s. Uh, and a song that like just screams out to me. I think it has like the best example of like those layered synths that defines a lot of the pop music of the eighties. And mine is, I feel love by Donna summer. Uh, you know, to me, it's kind of weird. Cause like I grew up listening to this song a lot. Cause my mom and my grandmother loved Donna summer. Yeah. Uh, but to me, like, there's always been a dark hint, tinge to this song. For sure. Even though it's not, like, when you actually, like, look at it, like, you put any kind of critical lens on it. It's not a dark song. But maybe it's yeah. because it was used in that trailer for that movie White Boy Rick. I just associate <laughs> it with, like, like, classiness under the disguise of griminess or maybe the opposite. Like, something like that. But yeah, no, I just think like as far as just like hitting this 80s sound like from the time. Yeah. I just think like it it's unmistakable. Donna Summer's a goat. I agree. Um I do think that this particular track is very long, almost to a fault. Yeah. I I have the same I have the same uh I observation uh about one of yours and I picked the shortest version of this song. Fair, yeah. yeah. Five the, minutes and fifty-five seconds. Yeah, the original is eight and eight fifty-eight. Yeah. And there is the twelve-inch version, which is like thirteen minutes. So, I think I know. I think I know exactly which song you're talking about on mine. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I, def, I, I understand that argument. Yeah. Um, no, I mean th- that being said, it fits the vibe perfectly. It's just that for me, it almost kind of felt like an intermission after Act One had passed because yeah. it's so instrumental. Yeah. No, it does kind of feel that way. You know, it is yeah. like, you know, it, it is kind of interesting because I feel like there's two ways to kind of produce vocals. Yeah. Uh, and it's like either, you know, it's kind of, for lack of a better phrase, flat and compressed, and then you have the singer on top of it. Right. Or the singing is kind of woven in, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the downside of that is that it can make it less legible, like less easy to understand. You know, that's yeah. clearly what's happening on uh, Scaring the Hose is like it's very much mixed in with the beat. Uh, yep. I think if you want like a very brazen example of this, listen to the two different versions of Odd Look by Kavinsky. Yes. Because like the original version is very much woven in with the rest of the beat and the beat feels massive. And the one with yeah. the weekend is kind of mixed more like a traditional pop song, you know? Uh, so I definitely think this is kind of mixed in with the beat and it almost feels like an instrumental. Yeah. I, I totally resonate with that. And it's interesting because that's one of the things that I didn't really appreciate about scaring the hose, but I really did enjoy that Danny Brown song by itself yeah i don't know what it is i think just the, like the production of scaring the hose is a detractor for me like we talked about before but hearing danny brown just like Honestly. solo 
yeah it's something that i i definitely enjoyed so like that's something i want to look more into because like i've i've been listening to jpeg singles for for a while now yeah. but now it's like i have the other half of that as well yeah i think like that sound from scaring the hose definitely came from jpeg uh yeah i could see that it's like it's an evolution of his like very intricate kind of like fast-paced yeah. little like i also think like sound signatures i also think it's very reminiscent of his early days in the hardcore scene yeah i you totally know, see that like, I think it's very much. Now let's keep going because we're only like a third of the way through. Yes. Uh, your next, the the next song on this that you picked was one of my favorite surprises off this experience. I loved, really, I love this song. Did, were you familiar with it prior to this? No. This is a song that I've known and liked for a long time. Uh, Spotify recommended it to me back in this college. This immediately went into my big playlist. So it's this is Chilean Sunset by Lurker. Lurker is, I think, one of the most underrated, largely instrumental artists of yeah. all time. 16,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, but with just some excellent, excellent projects out there that do not get loved. The, the EP this is from is called Way Too Long EP. Yeah, in 2015. Chilean Sunset, 13 million plays. That's insane. For 15,000 monthly listeners, it says a lot about the fact that this song gets picked up and cycled and like people run through it and it's instrumental, it's ambient, whatever. But th there's not active listening going on here, unfortunately, which sucks because I think the discography is much better than people give it credit for. Um, yeah, this is another instrumental. And to me, this very much was an intermission track yeah. in a way. Oh, I, I wanted something that was attention catching, but at the same time could blend into the background if you weren't paying attention to it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely I definitely got that sense when I listened to it because I listened to your playlist twice through completely. And both yeah. times, like, obviously because it's instrumental, like, there's not anything super hooky to remember it by. But each time, I'm like, damn, this is just hitting. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things where it's a bit of a palate cleanser because it takes the 80s feel down of a touch like yeah. a real synth pop because this is not that this is very much like contemporary of its time yeah and it gets you ready for moving I, into I a slightly like different i feel like it's still uh i feel like it's still using the same tools for lack of a better word because it does feel in in a place with this with the rest of the playlist it does not it, it did it's not, not yeah yeah it struck me very it worked very well with everything else Definitely not out of place, but definitely not like of the same cut from the same cloth, I would yeah. say. And I think that's to its benefit in a lot of ways, just because it does then kind of serve as that more neutral sound moving into a different sound that we're going to touch on after this. Yeah. yeah. So my next one was kind of going back, was kind of an intermission track. This one was kind of like very much a conscious step away from the synth sounds. Mm -hmm. uh, my next one was called was Burning For You by Blue Oyster Cult. Now, I am, of all the songs on this playlist, this is the one I'm, like, peak familiar with, yeah. honestly. Yeah, no, this is one of my favorite songs of all time. Blue Oyster Cult, like, when it comes to, like, boomer metal, like, it's <laughs> probably, like, metal before it had, like, pre-Judas Before Greece, it was metal. You know? Yeah. Uh, this was, by far, like, my favorite, like, old school kind of stuff coming up. I love, like, the intricate melodies on the guitar. I love the the depth to the lyrics. I also love like how easy it is to just sing, you know, and totally. it, yeah, it, and it was hard to choose between this and Godzilla, another one of their songs. But I decided to go with this one because 
I kind of just wanted like more of a a groovy, vibey, classic rock track uh, because a lot of the songs on my playlist, like I kind of thought of them in pairs, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. the songs on both sides of this, I, f- I see as a pair. So I wanted them to, I wanted that, that break and I wanted to do this. I think that was a, a good take yeah. to, to do it that way because it, it really fills, fulfills that purpose, yeah. 100%. Yeah, and not to mention the fact that I think it's just a great song that evocates the era that this entire culture evocates, Yeah, not so on the nosely. Yeah, totally. It's like kind of like what preceded it slightly yeah. in a way that kind of pays homage, but also like it wouldn't be out of place playing in like, I don't know, a scene out of Stranger Things or like yeah. something like that. Like it's 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 earned the right to be there. It yeah, feels one hundred percent. All right, let's get into. This is a real boring episode. We have no disagreements. It's just we're all we're just That's enjoying fine. each other's playlists. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, let's talk about. We can get along people. sometimes. We get along all the time. As long as you don't talk about those filthy fucking robots, but not these filthy fucking robots. <laughs> like there you go. These guys, they're fine as long as they're not talking. Uh, yeah right so all right my next track i think following this 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 was an artist that i think was a gimme not yeah of course i think with anyone with any if i did this competition if i did this little thing with anyone i think daft punk was going to show up a hundred percent normally i have a rule like when you make a playlist you try your hardest to only put an artist on one time but like it's daft punk (laughs) Nah, dude. It's an arcade. <laughs> nah. I, I get I get it. This one, I think, fulfills the assignment. So yeah. go over. You have three of them, but you got two in a row. So why don't you go over I have, these? I have three. Yeah, two in a row is good just to keep it consistent. Um, So following the kind of ambient break with Lurker, we go into Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. Peak Classic, Discovery, yeah. 2001. Um, Honestly, just fully just, fits the I, vibe of... Yeah. This is like for me. This is very much the point at which you're like really falling into playing games, where you're like, yeah, this you is, start to lose track of time. This is yeah. This is like the trance of like getting focused yeah, on the something. The flow state. The flow state, one hundred percent, and that leads directly into Derezd off of the Tron Legacy soundtrack. Another super classic track of theirs. Yeah. Fully instrumental. Um, but it's like you fall into the flow state. And things are going well with harder, better, better, faster, stronger. And then you get to a boss fight, and that's derezzed. That's yeah. like my my yeah, way of I, thinking about it. God, derezzed is so good. Do you hate me if I say that the Tron Legacy score is my favorite Daft Punk album? We've talked about this before. No, I I don't hate you for it, but I also don't think you're right. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. I'll give you that. <laughs> uh, look, I love these two picks. I look. I almost had Get Lucky on mine, and I almost had Get Lucky on mine because it came out the summer I turned 21. I don't go to nightclubs so i went to a lot of parkades the song was everywhere it's like i probably have like sat at like a an arcade cabinet to to the song get lucky more than any other song but it just didn't fit in the vibe of the playlist very well yeah uh so i 86 it and i knew this was going to be ground that we were going to cover yeah 100 percent. so i ain't mad about it uh definitely not so for my next one, I kind of, I kind of see it as like a partner with "I Feel Loved" by Donna Summer. 
and that is love by Kid Cudi. Yes. And that's just, you know, it's this, it's the entire song being built on those swelling synths, Right. And like, they sound very different. They sound very much like they came out 30 years apart from each other, but damn dude. Like when I was listening back to my own playlist, I was like, they do sound alike though. Like, and yeah, this is just another song that like has a lot of personal meaning to me. This yeah. Is, this song, like, it was the reason I kept SoundCloud on my phone for years. Like, uh, and I think it just, it hits the vibe. And this is a hip hop podcast. So I wanted to make sure there was some hip hop. Yes. On the playlist I put in. And I felt like this was my favorite addition to have. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's it's got that really, like, I guess, very anthem feel to it in a way that is... Um, I think that's, like, the thing that kind of cuts across both of our playlists is, like, this feeling of either ambience or, anth- or anthem. Totally. Totally, yeah. And it's it's one of those things where it fits it fits the setting really, really well because it gives you the option of tuning in and like listening to the song for the song being good, but also having it kind of fade into the background. Like you kind of want with a lot of when you're, when you're engaged in something like totally. gaming where you don't want it to be the focus of your time. Like yeah. I would not be able to play halo and listen to, to pimp a butterfly at the same time. It's I mean, not possible. I could because those groovy, groovy thundercat grooves just time up my reloads, but yeah, but like, but, but I, the I, judge, I, yeah. the judge makes time. I do not make time when I'm playing Halo. That's fun. <laughs> Bad but take. Yeah, no, anyway. No, but like I get it. No, I totally understand that. Like when you're when you're doing something, you don't want to listen to anything too dense, right? Yeah. Or at least it has to work at that surface level. You yeah. know. Uh but yeah, no, I love this song. Love it's called Love. Uh I love the aesthetic, I love the vibe of it. Zero complaints. Yeah, very much so. <sighs> yeah, my next one, moving on from that. So if D-Rezzed was like the boss fight, maybe I got tired of that game. I went off and tried a different game. We've got At Doom's Gate by Mick Gordon, which Dude, is the... I love this fucking thing. I love the Doom score, Doom score so much. Have you you've played, have you played oh, I've 2016? Pl- I've played Doom 2016 so many times. Okay, good. I mean, yeah, it, I was going to say. I was a little late to it. I didn't play it until I got into PC gaming in 2020. Yeah, uh, I... But I've replayed, I'm, I'm on my... I'm actually replaying it right now. I started replaying it nice. like a month ago. I'm playing yeah. Tears of the Kingdom now, so we'll see if I get to it in a little bit. Godspeed, but, 200 hours later. Oh my god, it's... And it's so good. I just build so many little carts. Uh, I might have to buy it, dude. I don't want to, but I might have to. It's so good. Fuck it's Nintendo, so but also like uh great. I love Nintendo. Let me have they're my emotional support corporation. Um, I feel it. Like I feel it. <laughs> but I mean yeah, it, like, I have too much Pokemon merch, I feel that. Oh my god, yeah. Speaking um, of po- if I could take a quick Tears of Kingdom uh sidebar. Go for it. I go am for shocked it. at how much better it runs than Pokemon. Like Yeah. Because that Pokemon I mean it's the same engine. Is it? Because like the the Pokemon release last year was abysmal. And well, like, I'm saying it's the same engine as Breath of the Wild. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the same physics engine. And yeah, no, it, it's. I'm kind of shocked that a game this big is running this well on a seven-year-old handheld. Yeah, I, I'm i so torn because on the one hand, like, 
I like the Switch and I like the hardware and I think it's like a smart console. On the other hand, it is really showing its age and I kind of want my games to play at higher refresh rates, which the yeah. Switch doesn't support. It's like 30 FPS. So I'm it does 60 for some games, but like for some, yeah, but not Mario Breath of the Wild, yeah, or no, Zelda. Not of yeah. You're lo- it's not like you get pretty consistent 30 in handheld. Yeah. Uh and like look, it hasn't bothered me at all, but it's not uh, the performance of the game is not stellar. I think the the graphics are okay, and the art yeah. the art direction is phenomenal. I've so, definitely seen some chugging when people are like building larger structures and like moving them around, and the frame rate starts to yeah. dip. And I'm just like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. I I feel that I feel that rub, but for me, I don't know. It's just working. I know. It I'm also, a snob, is plays, what it is. That's it, the problem. And it, it plays so well into my biases, though. Because yeah. like anything with like verticality, I I love. I love any kind of like thing where you're going up and down and flying, and there's a lot of that. Have and you ever played Towerfall? No. Uh, We're gonna have to play Towerfall together. Okay, we'll play Towerfall. And then uh, I also love the uh, the puzzles. The puzzles are very lateral thinky. Yeah. And it's just not something you get in a game of lot. I think it's gonna be a reason a lot of people don't like the game. I yeah. think it could very easily be Elden Ring to other people. Like, they don't. I mean, it's getting perfect tens from everybody. So yeah, I just can understand someone being like, "I don't want to design a cart when I get home." Like, yeah, I feel that. Yeah, I think like that's going to be a critique that is levied against this game fairly. Yeah, makes right. sense. The, done with the gaming break, I guess. But yeah, no, at yeah. Doomsgate goes hard. The entire yeah. soundtrack goes hard. I was just upset it was only a minute long. It's the short one, yeah. yeah. So it's it's just kind of a taster of like hop off the boss battle, go play a different game, and it happens to be like Doom in an arcade, and it's like boom, yeah. there it is. Yeah. No, it definitely gets. Oh, man, I really wish you could just like in Spotify, you could just add like little like sound effects and stuff, because like if you just had like the sound effect of like a menu screen and then like, you know, maybe like the selection like little notification sounds. That shit would pop you, off really hard. You could do that in OBS to layer over a stream. Yeah. Yeah, you could. You got to yeah. figure out how to do that if we eventually want to make this show streaming. God, imagine. God. Uh, all right, so my next one. Uh, are you familiar with The Midnight? So I've heard things by The Midnight before in passing. I don't think I've ever actually known. Like I, I looked at their Spotify page after this. I don't think I've ever actually known a song I listened to was them. Wow. So yeah. they're they're actually a local band. Really? They're from here. And so the reason I picked this one is because I went to a release party for this album at Emporium in Logan Square. And it was like, Sick. yeah. So it was like, I, I, they weren't there. It was just like, oh, the Midnight released something. Come play games and drink and listen to it. And I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah. And like, it's just sense memory. It's just... I think it hits that vibe perfectly. It is exactly the, it is, there's two songs on here that I think are kind of like a, a pair of completely recreated 80s sounds. And this mm-hmm. is one of them. And I think it does it super well. And they're local boys. So of course I'm biased. Yeah, no, that's totally valid. It's, it's a super solid pick. I mean, even the album cover plays into the theme. I love it. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. All right, so let's get to this next one. Jasper, this song's too long. Is it? I'll okay. I'll say this: the the the. Song are you are you are you incredible. a human after all hater? Huh? 
Because I don't I don't talk to human after all haters. No, I'm not a human after all hater. I like that album. Okay, cool. I like this song. I think cool. it sounds incredible. I think it's like one it, of the best little sequences. It just yeah. doesn't need to be four five minutes long. This could be a three and a half minute song, and you know it. Like Unfortunately, I don't make the rules. <laughs> um but, but yeah, yeah no, I, if I if I was when I said like, oh, there's a song on here that I thought was like too long to the point where like I was like, is this still going on? Yeah, it was. It it's was it's interesting to me that you feel that way about this, even though Lurkers, the, the Chilean Sunset is only like 20 seconds less. It's because this song is, I feel like, much more repetitive. It is. I will. I will give you that. Yeah. And um, like once again, I think the the little the little beat that it's repeating over and over again. I think yeah. sounds incredible, delectable, yeah. right? That it, it sounds great. It's just like it's this great sound played it, to me over and over again ninety times. Yes. Like and look, so like I'm not hating on the song. I'm just like, damn, this could be three and a half minutes long. Like, if anyone if anyone hasn't picked up on it yet, the song we're talking about is "Robot, oh, Rock, Robot Rock" by Daft by Punk. Punk. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, human after all, it's kind of what you expect. Is um, are, is that like the long winded? Uh, Daft Punk album is that what it's known as? No, but it's known as the industrial Daft Punk album, which uh, is why a lot of people didn't like it when it came out because everybody wanted the like retro future disco vibes of Discovery for their next project, and they went a much like harder route. So you get tracks like the Brainwasher, you get stuff like uh, what is it, Television Rules of Nation? Is that on there? Yeah. Um, and you you get stuff that's just generally like harder in sound, heavier yeah. synth, uh, technologic. Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that steam machine, yeah, which is very machine. like yeah. challenging, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, no, like, but, I think this album works. I just thought like specific, yeah, and like I haven't listened to Human After All in a long time, but mm-hmm. I definitely have listened to it because I know all these songs. Yeah. Uh, I just thought like in the context of this playlist, I just thought it ran a little long in the tooth. But it definitely did. Yeah, but um, that's for, minor for for me. The the vibe I was channeling there was like. If you switch over from like Doom to say something like Punch Out, and ah. like this is what you what you're listening to while you're playing Punch Out or something like that, that's like kind of the the feel there. Like going around getting like a little a little uh, I guess uh, a sampler of every little arcade game that's that's playing in the in the kind of like main row that they have at the shop. That'd be the spot there. Yeah. No, I totally. I totally agree. Look, it's a good song. I don't think Daft Punk is capable of putting out bad songs. I just think maybe they can make songs that are a little repetitive. Sure. And I don't even think of that about a lot of their stuff. I've I've heard that criticism before, and I think it's kind of overused. It's like, allow me to introduce you to five and a half minutes of Around the World. Yeah. uh, Around the World should bother me, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, no, it doesn't. I love that song. It's, yeah, I mean, it's music for clubs. It is. What is an arcade oh, if not a club where you play video games? That I mean, that's really exactly my conceit. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to go back. Do it. I'm going to go my next one. My Tell next one about... is Heartless by The Weeknd. Oh, yeah. The off after hours separated only by a track from Blinding Lights. Yep. Uh and I, the reason why I went with Heartless and over, over Blinding Lights was one, like the idea of like, if, if, if I owned the arcade, what would I be playing? And I would want to play something a little bit more unhinged than Blinding Lights. 
Yeah. But I guess I like, what I came down to is I think Blinding Lights is a very faithful recreation of that 80s sound. Totally. I think Heartless is a subversion of it. It yeah. takes the sound of the 80s, it mixes it with the Metro Boomin Trap, and it makes something very modern out of that palette. It's using like the same brush and paint as Blinding Light to make something completely different. So I thought that would just made it a little bit more interesting. Obviously, Blinding Light gets just style bonus because, like, goddamn, it's just this incredible. It's that. Yeah. yeah. And, like, look, I think there's definitely an argument that that song was overplayed. Not for me. I still love it. No, Blinding me neither. Lights. Me too. But I thought for my, my, my pick on this was definitely to go a different direction with it. So I went with Heartless. I, I messed with that choice. Super, super solid. And I'm very excited for the next two that are on here. But yeah. um, rolling back to mine real quick. Yeah. My follow-up track to Robot Rock, you're done playing Punch-Out. You go to yeah. a classic like vintage fighter oh, game. Afterburner or something. Afterburner, uh, Ace Combat, like the original yeah. Fighter Jack games. And I don't think Pilot Wings was ever really an arcade game. No, but... that was Nintendo Home Console. Yeah. But but that comes to mind too. It's Danger Zone, Kenny Loggins, God. originally from the Top Gun soundtrack. This is a fantastic addition. It's a fantastic song, and I have to tell the weird story about why I don't think about Top Gun when I hear this song, because this was in another movie, a movie I did not Google before I started this show. Go it on. was in a. Uh, <laughs> it was in a child's. Chip, Alvin and the Chipmunks movie where they do a parody of Batman and during the suit up scene this what? song plays <laughs> what the fuck and I always, is that allowed yeah it's like <laughs> yeah so this song plays when Alvin is dressing up as Batman to go fight the Joker and, oh my god uh, dude the funniest thing like my parents got me a bunch of Alvin and the Chipmunks stuff when I was a kid and, mm -hmm. like, they got me this one that had, like, Alvin and the Chipmunks music videos. And, like, one of them was just, it was the Beat It music video. And, like, the audio was completely unedited. It was basically the same thing as the Thriller CD. Yeah. But, like, they just animated Alvin over, like, doing a dance with Michael Jackson. It's hilarious. Like. Like painted over like Jessica yeah, Rabbit style. Yeah, exactly. Oh exactly my god. Like yeah. Oh, I need to see that. That sounds yeah, I'm hilarious. Gonna I'm gonna try and dig on the internet when I'm editing this episode, uh, and I'll put it in the description or whatever. What the fuck? Like, but yeah. No, this is a. Uh, this song is incredible. It's an incredible pick, and I had a very weird reaction to it, and I had to tell you about it. I'm sorry. For me, it's for me, it's this, and also obviously Grand Theft Auto Five because yeah. this makes an appearance in the Grand Theft Auto Five soundtrack. And Kenny Loggins is the DJ for Los Santos Rock Radio. They actually got him to play the voice of the DJ as himself. But the other thing I want to point out is that this song inserts itself perfectly into the timeline of arcade culture, 1985. Like, this is it. This is the the year. The yeah. year of the center of the arcade boom. Yeah, no, this is it. This is you start in eighty, eighty to like maybe ninety four is like arcade period. I guess I wasn't there. I don't know, but like just based on my own knowledge of, you know, NES and then the Super Nintendo coming out and kind of like stealing the thunder a little bit. Yeah, I mean this, 
this falls squarely in that period. But yeah, that was my my follow up pick. Oof. But then moving back, you picked a song that I want to talk about. Okay, tell me about this because this <sighs> one, it, it, I felt like I had to go with this song. Which version of it was initially yeah. a toss up? However, I felt like the original worked the most on the playlist. Yeah. And this is the one that gets the radio play. The last time I heard this song prior to this, I was probably like, We're talking in about my sweet mom's... dreams are made of this by the Eurythmics. Yes. With Annie Lennox, very yeah. importantly. Um, yeah. This song, I probably last heard this song when I was like 14 years old in the back of my mom's car going to like Highland Park for a doctor, like a dentist appointment or something. Like, it's just one of those songs that was always on the radio when I was a kid, always driving with my mom, yeah. and she loves this song, and she would always, like, crank the volume. And it's a bop. Like, it hits. It's like, such a good song. Yeah, usually it's, it's we, hypnotic, we tend there's to... There's a reason why. Totally, yeah. And and usually we tend... Like, I feel like young hey, people up? tend to kind of, you know, do away their, their parents' musical tastes in some way. Just maybe it's rebellion. Maybe they have their own taste that's evolving. This song has always hit for me, and has, I've never been like, nah, I'm, I don't like this. This has always been like, man, throwback, very specific sense, sense and just general memories with this one. Yeah, so totally agree. And like, I have a similar experience where like, yeah, this was like in on the radio as like I was a kid, because like, you know, 15 years later, that's when things really yeah. get on the radio. And it's just mm -hmm. like, it's the sound. It's just the sound. Like it is. Yes. I think it is best reflected by Danger Zone as just like, this is what it sounded like when it was actually going on. Yep. You know, and like I have another song immediately after this, which I feel like is another like recreation of that sound. And like, I think putting the two together, I think is interesting. It is. I like the next one that you have for its meme value as well, but we'll Ooh, talk about it. Yeah, I know. I know it's a meme song. It is not a song anyone looking at me and knows me as a human being would probably <laughs> think I put on this. But this song, that's that entire album is incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but please go on. You have a you have a favorite suite of music. Yes. So my next track is this was another like little sorbet, you know, taste uh, refresher kind of thing. Yeah, this is definitely a palate cleanser. This is the end of Act 2, with the Danger Zone being the climax of that. We move into Love Theme from the Blade Runner soundtrack, the original Blade Runner soundtrack by Vangelis, who is an artist I brought up on the podcast before. I don't think he gets anywhere near enough credit in how instrumental he's been in kind of shaping the sound of soundtracks across all of Hollywood up until this point. Uh, he really perfectly married the synthesizer and the traditional score in a way that I, I think few artists were no artist did up until that point and few have been able to do as well since i mean he really brought the synthesizer to life on blade runner i mean like mm -hmm. really i wouldn't doubt if the youth rhythmics were like i cannot say that artist's name i wouldn't doubt if they had some inspiration from the blade runner score because like it does feel like a, a zero, like a nexus point for this entire type of music. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those very like pivotal moments. Um, again, kind of eighties, very classic cyberpunk aesthetic. Also one of the, one of the films that I think really 
cemented or kind of furthered what became like the what what became known as the cyberpunk aesthetic in general. Uh, I listened um, to a podcast earlier today all about the history of cyberpunk. Yeah, it was very interesting. It's a it's a, my one of my favorite science fiction genres, and yeah, this was basically this was like one of the things the inception the one of, one of the yeah. inceptions yeah yeah I, the visual aspect of cyberpunk was certainly created by this for uh, I sure think neuromancer the book came out yes a, a couple a year or two before this yeah neuromancer is something that i'm i need to get into man I've, Ooh, I've i been, should show you oh you want to put it off oh, you want to see something do it so you guys have albums and shoes and shit the thing i collect is like really nice editions of books Hell yeah. Ooh, look at that cover. Like, it's... That's spicy. Yeah. it. Uh, I have a, a copy of Dune that matches this. That's and, sick. Uh, and uh, this one's in storage, but the Once and Future King, the T.S. Eliot uh, King oh. story. Hell so, yeah. Like, yeah, no, Neuromancer's a favorite of mine, if you can't tell. This is also like 12 bucks, so it's not like hard yeah. to find. Uh, yeah, I need like, to grab, grab a copy. Um, I had a PDF, but I don't know where it went. But um, yeah, PDF just some like, answers really on the nose. <laughs> true. Um, closing thoughts on Evangelist and Love Theme. It is almost five minutes long. It's definitely like the big palate cleanser before the final yeah. kind of act. That being said, if you like smooth sax, it's and good. like, yeah, when I Which first heard this also track, also a sound of the 80s. Like, it's not, yeah, it is when, not when I, immune to the conventions of the genre. Totally. When I first heard this track, I didn't know saxophone could sound like this because wow. I had only ever listened to saxophone really in the context of jazz music as it kind of was popular. This definitely changed my approach to the barriers that instruments appear to have within a certain genre or within genres and how they can be used across different genres as well. Yeah. She, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. Damn. Now that you're saying like, oh, these are acts. I definitely see this last act. This last <laughs> act definitely makes a lot of sense to me. So, yeah, because the last act pertains to one of my favorite genres of video games. But we'll, we'll get into we'll that. We'll get to that, yeah. Okay, give me one second. My mother is asking about her dog. Uh <laughs> All right. I'm gonna so say like, who, you gotta introduce the guest on the. Podcast oh yeah, this, this is week. Talia. She is my mother's dog. She likes to s sit down and sleep. We love Talia. She's so good, and yeah, I'm not gonna have to edit out any barking, and that's phenomenal. That's why she's the best dog. Good dog. Uh, all right. So my next one is kind of a curveball, but I think it hits the sounds that you know defines this culture so heavy. And it's Run Away With Me, the opening track of Carly Rae Jepsen's Emotion. This song hits. I don't even... For me, it's not even the song. I just hear that intro, and it's like I automatically have to T-pose. Yeah, no, it's like a very funny intro. But I uh, lose control of my body. It's just... Bah, bah, nah, bah. <laughs> I, I just hear... Because like, I'm actually unfamiliar with any meme uh, around this album really i wow, okay i just listened to it because like uh when the 80s sound was starting to come back like in 2019 i remember everyone saying like oh carly jepson was way ahead of the time with emotion she did like the entire thing before i went back i listened to it and i'm like god damn this is incredible 
So yeah. when I was putting this together, I was like, at first I was like, is this going to be funny? Is this going to be a lark? But then after I listened to the album, I'm like, no, this is legitimately some of the best synth music put out in the last 20 years. And that includes, yeah. And that includes the weekend. So I have, uh, I have no shame. I don't blame you. I yeah. mean, it's super solid. Good song. And I think a lot of Carly Rae Jepsen stuff, she's you know, super was looked talented. at. She's super yeah, I think talented. a lot of people. I think a lot of people looked down on it when it came out or at the time. A lot of people. I think it's it aged pop. very well. Yeah, yeah, it, it's aged very well. With all that being said. Okay. All right. So your next one, I'm gonna keep it real with you, Jazz. This was mm-hmm. my favorite song on your playlist. I thought so. I figured this would be up your alley. This is really, really good. So next up is a really interesting song. It's Sleepwalking by the Chain Gang of 1974 which is a song that was specifically written and made for Grand Theft Auto V. It's one of the original tracks that shipped with, I believe it shipped with the game as part of like the in-game radio. Yeah. Super cool song. I absolutely love the opening and the intro. It's just like this very memorable. It's not quite retro. It's not quite futuristic. It's just like somewhere in the middle. Now, that still is kind of tiny. It's like it's it's synth. Heavy drums. It's really interesting, even layered vocals, but in a way that is, yeah. it's like it, it, it can it, again, it can fade to the background, yeah. but it also commands attention in a way. It sounds like synth pop via the two thousands indie New York rock scene. There you go. That's a perfect way of describing it. Yeah, I couldn't have said know? it better. But it's it's a perfect combination, and it really does. I think like the the risk you run, and I think we kind of both avoided this in our own ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a playlist like this is like, does it just sound the same? Is it just, is it just blinding lights for an hour? You know? Hell no. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a risk you run when you make something like this. Totally. I think a song like this is like, and obviously you have other ones that like, I think play into that. You know, I think, you know, at Doomsgate, knock, knock, you know, uh, danger zone for all that, for all of its memeness. I think all subvert those expectations. I yeah. think this is the best example of it, though. It feels of a piece. It feels new. I'm gonna be. This is gonna be on my Spotify repeat by next week. I guarantee you. It's very. Good. I really, really like it. This yeah. is a very it's... good song. This is my favorite song on the playlist. And we'll be. I'll be honest with you. This next stretch, I liked it, but it was. It was a. It was like, what's going on? Like, I was see, like, this is this is the part where when I said you're gonna hate this, this is what I was referring to. Was I didn't. I no, I did not hate it. I was just like, <laughs> these are anime intros. Like, no, they're not. This is a this is a genre of music I've been waiting to roll out on the podcast. Yeah, so I'm we'll gonna we're gonna be it. asking about this because I'm curious about this genre of music. Yes. Uh, um. But yeah, let's let's swing back your way. My next one is another '80s classic. Uh. But I think it kind of mixes like this sense of like raw punk energy with yeah. the classic 80s synth sound. It's a mm-hmm. band, it's an artist that I was shown when I was like 13 year old, 13 years old by my cousin Alan, who showed me all the cool music when my parents wouldn't. Uh, Billy Idol's Rebel Alan. Yell. Yep. It's I, I think just like a classic in its genre. I think it is one of the best songs of the 80s. And Nina, I think it's the closest I get to like bridging the gap between like that 80s classic rock sound and that 80s synth pop sound. 
you know. Yes. Uh, Billy Idol was and, always very good at that. Yeah. That and separate separate ways just has a keyboard. Like it's don't get me wrong, it's a great song. But like yeah. it doesn't really have the synth pop kind of aspect to it. It just has the instrument. This I feel yeah. like kind of does the whole thing. And it's like, funny could, because yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. And I could have put White Wedding on it, but I was gonna do that. I was just gonna say it. it's funny because I was considering putting White Wedding part two because yeah. that has that little synth kind of riff to it. Yeah. That then goes into the chorus. So Yeah, no, totally. <sighs> yeah, good tracks oh. though. Rebel Yell, I really like the vocal inflection on it. Yeah. He's got that like growly thing going on. It's yeah. nice. No, it's a super hard song to cover. Um a band yeah. that I'm not the biggest fan of, Drowning Pool, they have a really good cover of it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. All, right, All right. Let's get into let's get into this. Now, like I liked these I liked these songs, but they were very wacky to me, all of these. Yes, they are. So That's the is, entire genre. Uh deja vu. What what is the genre? Because to me, I'm like, is this anime intros? Is this uh power metal? Is this DDR music? What's going on? Allow me to introduce the one of my favorite super weird niche subgenres of music. It's called Eurobeat. What is Eurobeat? You might everything ask. Everything bad is, comes from Europe. No, I don't. This is everything, bad. everywhere, all at once. Everything. It's um, it's pretty much it is like the guitar styles of power metal over heavy, fast synth tracks combined with just like very fast vocals in english by people whose first language is very much not english yeah yeah so, you can tell. yeah this, so this had german singer all over it yeah so these so sleepwalking through the end of the list here and we're going to talk about deja vu which is the first one up this third act for me was like you get into the driving simulator at yeah. the arcade because I I love driving games. I love racing games. I've been okay. playing them for years. I've been a Forza guy for almost like over ten years now. At this point, probably I've played most of them. Um, but yeah, these songs all became popular through an anime. But it was it. never. Yeah, the, these originally were all featured in Initial D, which was like the OG like car guy anime. Oh, okay. Um. If you're familiar at all, if our audience isn't familiar, Initial D is basically the story of like some high school kids in Japan who live in this town at the foot of a mountain. And on the other side of the mountain is another town. And the main character's dad runs a delivery business delivering fresh tofu. And he drives it at night up through the mountain pass and over to the other town. And turns out this, this mountain has started to attract attention because it's it's a kind of like a rally stage or like a road rally course so all these little like racing teams from all over japan are kind of coming through and like trying to set good times and like beat each other and win races and whatever and these kids who are in the town this one guy really wants to get involved the friend so then the main character talks to me he's like not super interested but turns out he's actually like an unbelievable driver because he's the one who's been doing the tofu runs for his dad for like three years and he's only like 15 years old and whatever but basically becomes the story of him like not wanting to participate in this like racing subculture but then kind of being dragged into it against his will but then and then kind of like coming to terms with it that's interesting and and so yeah these songs are all very much like that it's like very much like japanese drift culture like midnight club style type stuff. Yeah. And it definitely felt like interesting. It was definitely, yeah. I, I had a hard time placing like what this could be. And I was yeah. like, it did sound arcadey though. 
It did like imme- yes. all and we'll go back and forth still and we can talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Uh Deja Vu, I think honestly was the one that was like the hardest for me to get through. Really? Yeah, Deja Vu was I would have thought running in the nineties for gas gas. gas. No, I Fast. liked gas gas, like at first I thought was like hilarious. Like Do you like maybe my not, car? Yeah. Maybe not intentionally hilarious, but by the yeah. end of it I was unironically into the song. That's uh, and running in the nineties I genuinely liked. I thought it was like uh when I was listening to it both times I was like it's like a little bit more toned down, you know, yeah. of the of the vibe. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm gonna run through my my last two two at a time. Go for it. Uh so my next one is teleport to me, Jamie. One of my favorites. Yeah, no. Instant classic. And, like, it's just, it's the synth licks. It's just that sound. And it's also, like, the vaguely romantic aspect of it. I think we all have, like, this romantic aspect of, romantic in, like, the classical artistic sense of, like, uh, you know, of, like, this space where people come together to do the things they love. You know, there's Mm -hmm. no other reason to go to an arcade other than you love video games or you love being around people. Yeah. Uh, so I think like it kind of hit that tone right away. Uh, and the other thing is at this point, I'm starting to think more about narrative and I'm like, yeah, the night's coming to an end. Mm-hmm. So I think this and the next song kind of like play in that the night is ending kind of thing. And the next one is shout by tears for fear, which yes. is just to me, it just is a classic of that era. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't resist getting putting it in. Totally. I mean, it was unavoidable. Yeah. Tears for Fears is like a staple of the the period. Yeah, and, and it's not even that synth heavy, but it's much. But I feel like aesthetically, it ladders up completely. Absolutely, yeah. And teleport to me, Jamie. I think also definitely shares some DNA with other kind of popular contemporary songs that emulate the genre and the period. I yeah. think about Night Call, like Kavinsky. Yeah, totally. And there's like songs of songs from this period that are like moody that communicate like a sense of longing in yeah. some way. Yeah. That's definitely totally. like its own little niche. And yeah, it's just like it's an interesting mix of like contemporary elements layered over what is fundamentally like retro. Yeah, a retro and like classic feel, but then also a very classical kind of story or dilemma that the the character of the song find themselves finds himself yeah, in. Definitely. So. A very, a very classic, yeah, I think it's interesting that, like, I think the uh, the story of the song is very classic, in a, just like you said, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also very modern, like, it's like, you yeah. know, uh, there's a line about texting, and it's like, oh, I've been there, like, I've been, like, waiting for people to text me back when I should be yep. going to sleep, oh, like, yeah. and it, you know, it makes you feel romantic and nostalgic about your own life. You know, the things you yeah. went through. Because I bought Wizard. Like, I was 22 when Wizard came out. Like. Damn. Ugh. That's like a pivotal age for that, too. Yeah, I was no. a lot younger. I, I don't think it impacted me the way it should have. Honestly, but... I had to come back and find it. Like, I, yeah. I listened to it at first, and I was like, this is cool, but not my thing. Yeah. And then I came back to it, and I really liked it. It's so good. Now, do you want to run through... Gas, gas, and the top a little bit. 
I'll do yeah, let's do gas gas running in the nineties and okay. then I'll I liked okay, running then, in the nineties. I thought running in the nineties was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's another one that's like a classic kind of staple of the genre. Um both of these are also just like super classic Eurobeat songs. They're both a little longer, around four a little over four minutes each. Yeah. And they very much are and there's like one more that I didn't include that I should have called Don't Stand So Close, which is like another super hit from like this period but both of these are just like super frantic very intense lots of synth lots of like keyboard and also also guitar like layered on top of each other and gas 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 is very much like specifically about like i have a fast car to do the thing and then running in the 90s is very much just like i guess more so like culturally like take a chance and like try this thing and like join this group and 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 which is kind of like what the the show is about as well initial d yeah but yeah both of these i think very much communicate that kind of style but they bring it forward by a decade because eurobeat really hit its stride in the 90s yeah it's a 90 was it a 90s genre yeah pretty much which is why it's used initial d because initial d was like when anime was becoming more mainstream as like a consumption um i guess subgenre or genre of media within Japan and then also more globally after the rise of Akira in the like the late 80s. Um yeah, Initial D was like the first like car like automotive based anime pretty much. And so like all of this music was used for it because this was the music of like European club scene where you would find like that was linked to like performance cars that were in the European motoring scene. So like late night like Porsche runs or like the Autobahn and things like that. Like, and some of that car culture did eventually get imported to Japan as well. Midnight Club, which is like the most famous group in Japan, uh, one of their members had a like super tuned, I think it was 80s Porsche or something that was capable of running at over 200 miles an hour for like the entire entirety of its gas tank. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was a lot of kind of like European culture being imported to Japan at the time in the in the way of like tuner culture and just yeah. like car guy syndrome, and that really showed in media. And this was an example of that that like it got made more popular because of it. it's like how like jazz culture from the U.S. has become popular in Japan over like last ten years, and now in Japan they're making better like American clothing and also better like bourbon than the U.S. ever has. They've like taken american cultural exports and emulated them or like yeah. recreated them in a way that's like very faithful to the original while also being like elevated in that like cultural way yeah I, it reminds me a lot of about of, of like japanese whiskey uh, yeah it's very, exactly it's very similar to scotch to the point where yeah. a lot of japanese distilleries will send people to uh scotland to chop down trees to get the actual wood that they use to make scotch in scotland and they bring yep. it back to japan the brand Visvim, for example, is a Japanese clothing brand that specializes in making like what looks like vintage Americana workwear. Yeah. And you you're looking at paying nine hundred to sixteen hundred dollars for a pair of moccasins, but they're like the last pair of moccasins you'll ever need to buy because they're like fully handmade and they just like are very true to like the core ethos of like handmade goods that emulate like a different era in a lot of ways. But it's it's just like insane craftsmanship over like a very like detail obsessed culture. Yeah. All right, so we're getting to the end of this, 
Oh, and yeah. the conceit I wanted to pull out from video gaming mm-hmm. uh, was the idea of like a split ending. And I'm aware yeah. this is not a thing in arcade games, but it's my show. Uh, our show. Uh, <laughs> so I kind of thought like, what if this had a bad and a good ending? Yeah. So the bad ending to me was Deep Space Nine Millimeter. Uh, yeah. The LP song. And to me, like going back to that adult swim, I see this very much like paired up with Danny Brown, you know, and just kind of like, you know, when you're at when you're in these highly few like, you know, volatile social interactions, they don't always end well. You don't always go home having a great time. For uh, sure. And this just kind of gets to that vibe, like that feeling of like having to trek home at one in the morning across the city like. There's a level of anxiety to this. There's a level 100%. of anxiety of just like all the sound, like just kind of like crushing in on you. Right. Yep. And I thought that because it was the bad ending, it should not be the last thing people hear. Yes. So that was I like it. my sense on this. And also it's just, it's one of my favorite, like one of my favorite songs. It's like kind of up there with day and night with me, not in terms of like how much I love it, but in terms of like, the vibe I think it captures of like that. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think it's very much like you can see that. I think this is a song I show people when I'm, when I like make the argument that LP influenced Mac Miller. Uh, yeah, but yeah. So this was my bad ending, which isn't mm-hmm. a bad ending. It's just, you know, a Domner song before a very climactic finish, I think. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. And then we're at your last song, my friend. So yeah, my last one is, I think, a little more overlooked in the intensely popular Eurobeat genre, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it's one of my favorites in that it has like a lot of finality and a lot of like conclusion to it, and that's the top by Ken Blast. Yeah. It's basically the song of like, I done it, I made it, I win, like yeah. that kind of thing, and it specifically is referencing, you know, cars and car culture. Um, crash and burn that's what you're gonna do i'm the master of the asphalt fight like it's about racing and that was the whole idea is like the last act you're getting in the racing simulator and it's or like not even the simulator but like maybe like the arcade little racing games and you like kind of suck at first because those games are unpredictable but then you like get really good and you actually win and that's like this whole kind of progression of the last act and then you feel accomplished on your way home i'll Um, say say for sure the driving games that are arcade are always busted yeah i love yeah there used to be this one we used to go to that had the mario kart ones yeah that were connected that was fun as shit man yeah that's and and there's like so many there's like um what is it like there's one like canyon something uh ridge racer there's there's a lot of good just like classic kind of like 1.5 or like 2.5 d like racing games that are like kind of like snes era and onwards that are so much fun but this is that to a T. It's like this is the end of the road. Like you made it, and that's that's the night. That's the night at the arcade, pretty much. Yeah. So this was like the little like cherry on top for me. Yeah. No, I feel that, and like this is exactly where I went with my last one. I started this playlist with like a, an intro and an ender, and uh, so the last song I have is "Plasma" by Kavinsky. Yep. And like. It's just very anthemic. It's like it's the good ending. It's yeah. like the way you feel after an excellent night out with your friends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it has kind of all the aesthetics that we associate with arcade and gaming culture. It 
definitely doubles down on the 80s aesthetic. I think this maybe has it more than any other song on this playlist. This is the one where you drive off into the vaporwave sunset. Is, it's yeah, like exactly. The ground is purple. You can't. <laughs> the see sun it. is orange. You can't see it because it's immediately behind my camera, but that's behind my computer. Like, <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, man, that was exactly like the vibe I wanted to do. Like, yeah, the drive home, the ride into the sunset or sunrise sometimes. Uh, yeah. This was fun. This was a lot of fun, Jasper. Hell yeah. Fuck. We're going to make these available so you guys can listen to these uh, all on Spotify. So if you have Apple Music, fuck off. Sorry, Jeff. Get wrecked, Jeff. Yeah, get wrecked, Jeff. Uh, did you have fun doing this, Jazz? I did. This was a great time. Was I'm, great. I'm liking this like themed playlist. Yeah, we're going to do this again. We're going to do it again with Purvis. We're probably going to have to limit it to 10 songs. Uh, and we're going to do a night drive, which is obviously like... Man, dude, uh, I already have a playlist should, for it. Let's should we go. Outlaw, should we outlaw nights to make it hard on all of us? Like nights? Yeah, it's just you can't use nights. Like, um, I wouldn't even put that on there. <laughs> to be honest, that's insane. Nights no, is the it's best. not. The I only li- the I, the only part of it that's for the night is the end where it's after the beat switch. Every I night fucks every day up. The, the rest of it's about the daytime. I don't care. No, it's not. It's about on your way to the night shift. Uh, eh, I guess. I don't care. Anytime I have to go on. Yesterday, I had to go see a friend, and I, they live right up in uh, Edgewater. So it's like yeah. an eight-minute drive down Lakeshore Drive. And it's like, hell yeah. Frank Ocean nights right now. Like, <laughs> Frank Ocean. For me, the go-to is 90210. Yeah, uh, yeah. Frank Ocean nights after dark. Uh and then I started over. Like, uh, do you want to do recommendations? Let's run it. Let's run it after you. This is a recommendation-heavy episode. I did not prepare a third one. I we're just gonna do two. So my first one, uh, I'm doing. This is in uh, a female rapper that got recommended to me by my girlfriends, mm-hmm. and it's super fitting because I've had this. I've had this in my notes for a minute. Uh, it's called Kitana by Princess Nokia. Mm. And it's dope. And it plays into the gaming vibe really heavily. Uh, Mortal Kombat, obviously, is referenced all over the song. It's very catchy. It's very fun. Big fan. Best out. Yeah. My first one has got to be Infinity Repeating. Oh, you're recommending we, that? Yeah, which we talked about. It's, okay. it's so nice. I love that song. Okay. I'm going to recommend that's... That's a good pick. I mean, I'm always hesitant, like, sh- because there's no, there's nothing in like the ethos of what the recommendations are that forbids yeah. it from being modern. Th- there's just no reason why it can't be. But for some reason, I never pick a modern song. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's a well, no, I think you have. I think you picked Maybe a couple you, times. You, you picked a didn't you pick us not not scaring the hose? But there was like another recent project that you picked something off of when it was like of the time. Maybe. Oh, I think it was ten. I think I maybe recommended something off of ten. Like. Yeah, that sounds early. right. Yeah. Uh, so my next one. This has been in my notes app for a long time because mm-hmm. this person performed at the Super Bowl. Uh, I really think this was one of the most popular songs that was ever re- that was ever released in my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, Umbrella by Rihanna. Oh yeah, it is. 
just a classic song. I don't know like what else to des- how else to describe it. How else do you describe it? I mean, it's a classic. That's that open and shut. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, my next one is going to be. I can just get this open here. You know what? I'm doing it. We talked about this off podcast, but I've been going through and listening to the weekend from start to finish. Oh, here we go. House of Balloons, Glass Table Girls, original. That's, off of that's the best original song. That's House the of best, Balloons. That, that song, incredible. That's like one of my favorite songs ever, actually. This is a happy house. God, talk about the exact opposite of it. Well, talk about a bad ending. Like, <laughs> do you have any idea how many bad nights ended with that song? Like, right. Oh, my God. Well, Jess, remember when we said we were going to make this an hour and a half? What the fuck happened to us? I don't know, man. I don't, at first, it was like, man, are we going to be able to do this? Are we going to be able to make this happen without purpose? Two and a half hours. I got to edit out like a couple minutes, but like. I feel like it's just us arguing and most of it. And then Purvis is just there like. Yeah. But now it's like <laughs> we didn't even argue and we still went out no. forever. Like we still. For went sure. Yeah. Just riffing. Yeah. That was hilarious. That's probably the funniest thing is that we go over more when we don't argue. Like because <laughs> there's no there's no imp- there's nothing telling you to stop. Like nope. you're not violating any social mores. Yeah. Uh, well, guys, Man. it is that time. A belly album dropped 10 minutes ago. Good night. Nighty night. Until next week.